Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from deep in the Eublifaris galaxy, on a small planet called Gekonia, east of the albino hills and south of the raging leucistic river, comes the one, the only, Gecko Nation Radio. Good evening, everybody. Today is December 6th, 2015. Uh, we have an awesome show tonight. This is something, um, this is a show we haven't done. done. I don't know, I haven't heard a radio show done on Tokay Geckos. So we're doing a show all about Tokay Geckos tonight. We're going to talk about the morphs. We're going to talk about husbandry and anything else you guys want to hear about when it comes to them. We welcome your phone calls, of course, and if you're in the chat room, that's awesome. Uh, if you guys want to call in tonight with any questions, the number is 646-478-5331. Again, it's 646-478-5331. Let's go ahead and grab our co-host, Mr. Tim Walton. What is up, Tim? What's happening, Dave? How are you? Doing well, man. How's everything going with you? Oh, crazy. Crazy week here. <laughs> I'm sure uh it's like that's a lot of people getting ready getting ready for the holidays and everything else. Did uh yeah. did you make it over to Hamburg or no? I did not. I did not. I saw uh Blake after and uh he said it was a very slow show and um he said he sold one snake and I don't know. <laughs> I guess uh that, I guess it was slow. It seems like it's a little a little too early for people to buy uh live Christmas gifts for people, so. <laughs> yeah, I know. So we don't, think, we, don't, uh, we frown on that. Time right? of year, yeah, I think this time of year is kind of slow for shows, but uh, but White Plains was pretty good last weekend. Um, it was it was packed. I couldn't believe how many people were there. It was... Uh, really? You know, about as packed as you, as you see that place. Wow. That's cool. Well, I'm looking forward to tonight's show. Um, you know, I, I've kept okay geckos in the past, and I, I've i never had a okay gecko that didn't bite me, <laughs> um, or at least try to bite me. And um, I think what I'm seeing is a lot of people that are keeping captive tokays are finding it uh, easy to train them and to calm them. Um, I mean, when I was younger, they were all wild-caught. And you, the first, I mean, you have to go in their cage to clean it and to feed them, of course. I mean, as soon as you put your hand slowly in the cage, they literally uh, get very defensive and they bark at you. And the sound they make is this. And I play that at the end of every episode, as you guys know, but that is the bark of a Tokyo gecko. But it's much louder and it's it's much more, uh, it's, it, it startles you because you don't expect it. And uh, I'm, I'm laughing because I remember so many times it happening to me. But uh, I'm going to talk to Jack tonight also about, you know, taming tokays and if it's even possible. I think it is. I mean, I, I mean, some of these, a lot of them are captive, born and bred now. So um, it's a possibility. What do you know about tokays, Tim? Anything? 
I, it's a very common thing all across the board with all reptiles. Is uh, you know when you, when you get adult wild caught animals, you know that have been taken out of the wild and shipped across the world, and you know I'm sure they they don't have uh, they don't fly first class when they by the time they get here. So they're, you know, not not the most willing to, uh, you know, to sit on your hands and just relax. But you hear the same thing with snakes, you know, all, all different kinds of snakes. And then after a couple years of uh, of captive breeding, they calm down and they're they make great pets. You know, I have I have uh, an adult blood python that, you know, is uh, was probably a farmed animal, but it's as tame or more tame as any ball python or corn snake. And it's just mm-hmm. the, you know, uh, you know, the, the different, and then more and more blood pythons now that they're so widely uh, captive bred in the U S they're much more docile than, than they were in the, when you're getting in adult wild caught animals. Yeah. Well, another thing, um, people can check out, go on YouTube and type in, uh, Toke Gecko Saves Buddy from Snake. And you'll see a couple of Toke Geckos on the wall outside in their native habitat. They're on the wall of somebody's house. And uh, one of them gets, like, attacked by a small snake. And the other Toke Gecko comes to its rescue. I mean, you can see an obvious intelligence there wanting to help its friend. And it's pretty interesting. Um I mean, it just goes to prove that these animals are smart. They're not, you know, they're not stupid or they're not just acting on instinct all the instinct all the time. So I find that kind of stuff fascinating. Well, uh, Jack has not called in yet. I'm waiting for him to call in. But in the meantime, we can certainly talk about our sponsors. And uh, off the bat, I'd just like to mention, of course, that uh, Dale's Bearded Dragons has been our sponsors since the, since the very beginning. And uh, they have grown tremendously in the past few years. They now have an app called DBD Pet. Okay, check that out. And, of course, their website, dbdpet.com. Uh, they're the biggest drive goods vendor at most of the East Coast shows now, and uh, they're quickly going to just about every show they can get to. So uh, when you see them, Mention the show, and you're going to get 10% off. And also, they're running a promotion on their website. If you buy a Dale's Bearded Dragons T-shirt, or actually, you get a T-shirt free, I think, with one of your orders. And if you wear it to any of the shows, uh, you'll you'll get a discount on any supplies you need. All right? They have just about everything for reptiles, lighting, heating, so supplementation, everything. All right? So take advantage and check them out. All right? Also, uh, I'm going to talk about Ron Tremper. Mr. Ron Tremper is our sponsor, too, and uh, everybody knows him. He's uh, huge into leopard geckos and basically pioneered many of the morphs and uh, line-bred traits that we work with today. And uh, his website is leopardgecko.com. And uh, check out what he's got available on his available page. He's got some really cool stuff going there. Uh, Mr. Wally Kern over at Supreme Gecko is currently running the 12 Days of Christmas uh, contest that he does every year where you can win really cool stuff, including a free gecko that I put up, uh, the Mice Eclipse. Okay, take advantage. Check out 
uh, Ohio Gecko on Facebook. I'm sorry, Supreme Gecko on Facebook and SupremeGecko.com. His, his website isn't just for sales. It's got a lot of information there, too. All right, so check that out. All right, Ohio Gecko, that's what I was mentioning, is uh, run by Thad. Thad also runs GeckoForums.net. So check out OhioGecko.com and GeckoForums.net. I haven't heard from Thad in a while, have you, Tim? I guess not. Well, anyway, I haven't heard from Thad at Ohio Gecko. I hope he's okay. Uh, Thad, if you hear this, uh, get in touch with us. Let's see uh, what's going on with you. Also, uh, John Scarborough over at Gecko Boa Reptiles. Check out GeckoBoa.com and Gecko Boa Reptiles on Facebook. He's uh, got every leopard gecko subspecies in the, uh, here in the U.S. for you guys to uh, purchase. And he's also got uh, a plethora of leopard gecko morphs, all top bloodlines. So check out Gecko Boa. Also, if you guys need any insects for your uh, for your geckos, your insect-eating reptiles, check out RainbowMealworms.net. I use Rainbow exclusively. We get 30,000 worms delivered here every week. Never have a problem. Best customer service, awesome pricing, and uh, just about anything you need insect-wise. So check them out, RainbowMealworms.net. Uh, if you guys are shipping animals sooner or later, if you're keeping and breeding reptiles, so you're going to want to ship them across the country and uh, get them safely to your customers. Well, the best way to do that is to go with a company with awesome customer service and rates for the FedEx labels because you want to ship safely and legally. So you got to get your labels through a company that has a live animal shipping certificate. So use reptilesexpress.com for that. And also check out their Awesome shipping supplies. I use their shipping boxes uh, for all my shipping. I use them for everything related to shipping, but their shipping boxes are the best because they're very clearly marked uh, live animal. Um, and also the insulation is really thick on the inside. So it's going to keep the cold out and keep the heat in and vice versa in the summer. So definitely check out reptilesexpress.com for your supplies, shipping supplies and shipping labels. All right, Sea Serpents and Hotbox Incubators are a combination company of uh, the highest quality racks and incubators in America today. So uh, pricing is awesome, very competitive, and uh, they're using genuine flex slot heat tape, no imitation stuff for Sea Serpents, uh, so you know you're going to get the best heat tape in there. And their incubators come with built-in thermostats and lighting and everything, so check them out. Sea Serpents, hotboxincubators.com. All right, two more, reptilestickers.com. If you guys have anything for your business or uh, for your Facebook page, banners or stickers or anything related to promoting yourself and graphic design work, check out reptilestickers.com online uh, there and also on Facebook. You can check out Happy Gecko Sticky Situation. They, uh, Rachel has a group also where you can see her work and get in touch with her, so check out that. Also, last but not least, Doobie roaches. Sooner or later, everybody gets sick of crickets and they want to switch to a better bug. Doobie roaches are the answer. I wish people would, uh, I wish you could change the name from Doobie roaches to Doobie crickets because everybody gets freaked out when they hear the word roaches, but it is what it is, I guess. Because they're, they're I, I think they're just much better than crickets for so many different reasons. But abdragons.com runs regular uh, bug auctions on Facebook. So definitely check them out there. 
And uh, if you're buying from them online, check them out and use the code GECKO at checkout uh, for 5% off your order every single time. Okay, that's their gift to our listeners. So abdragons.com. All right, that's our sponsors. And uh, uh, let's see. Oh, I want to mention a couple other radio shows for you guys to check out. If you like what we do here, check out Herpentime Radio and also Corn on the Pod Radio. And uh, doing both shows doing great work. Corn on the Pod is about corn snakes, cooler bridges, and stuff like that. And Herpentime is just about everything. I think they had uh, Tom Crutchfield out today. So check them out. Let's see. All right, Tim, is there any other business to discuss? Uh, I wanted to uh, also, as we were talking about other radio shows, I w- wanted to mention, uh, I've mentioned it before on the show, but go check out Morelia Python Radio. They do uh, oh, yeah, right. a lot of snake stuff. And uh, I also want to thank Eric Burke, the host of that show, who's uh, mentioned us several times uh, recently. And uh, I want to thank him for that. And it's a really great show. I've, you know, we've actually uh, gotten several Thank you, Eric. Guests, uh, because I've heard them on, on Morelia Python Radio. And uh, and that's it, Dave. What else you got going on? Um, that's about it, but I'd just like to uh, announce that also next week is likely going to be our last show of the season. We're going to take a month or so off. Uh, and next week is um, Rich, Rich Stanley from, uh, he is the, the lawyer from US Arc. This is going to be a great show. This this show, I'm really looking forward to. I've spoken to Rich several times already. And he's going to help us all understand. A lot of us that are new to the hobby or just don't have any legal experience, he's going to break this down for us and explain just how good of a position legally uh, we are right now. And U.S. Arc is doing some great things and had some great successes uh, recently. So he's going to explain it all to us in terms that we can all understand and put our minds at ease a bit. Um so I'm looking forward to that show. That's next week, okay, guys? So tune in. And uh, I think that's it. That's all the business. So I think we can go ahead and uh, bring on Jack. I see a phone number in the call queue. I think it's him. Um, take a chance. Jack Dambach from Toke Gecko X or Toke X Morphs. You're live on Gecko Nation Radio. I, I wanted to ask him a question. <laughs> oh, okay. You're not Jack. It's, it's, I'm, I'm just kidding. It's Jack. It's Jack. Oh, hey, Jack. I'm just kidding. You. I'm doing good. How you yeah, guys doing? Yeah, because I didn't get you doing good. I didn't get your number, so I was a little worried. I was, I was like, oh, God, I don't know if I'm going to recognize your number when he calls in. Sometimes there's a bunch of people in there. <laughs> right. So, no, that's cool. Right. And, and Dave, Thanks for really giving us some yourself, time. You, you really set yourself up for that one, too, telling people to call in earlier in the show. Uh, I know. <laughs> well, sometimes we get a lot of callers, and sometimes there's nobody calling. It, it, it basically hit or miss, so. Yours was the only number in there so far tonight, so I had to take a chance. <laughs> well, I, I understand so. that I have a little bit of competition tonight, and I think the president oh, yeah? is speaking. So, uh, you know, yeah, with the president of the United States, Obama, he's uh, he's talking about whatever he's going to talk about tonight. So we may have a little bit mm-hmm. of competition there, but that's okay. Anyway, well, so how are you guys download the show first, or afterwards. First of all, what, what I want to tell you guys is belated happy Thanksgiving, happy Hanukkah to everybody out there, and, and Merry Christmas, too. Uh, coming up. Excellent. So, cool. Yeah. Thank so, you. So let's get on with the show. All right, Jack. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, maybe some of your history in herpet culture, and then we can transition into uh, the toe case. Sure, sure. Uh, goes way back. Um, just like probably you guys, uh, you know, as a child, my main interest was reptiles. I wasn't a, 
Uh, I was a little skinny kid. I wasn't an athlete. And I was lucky enough to have two great older brothers that uh, took me out in the woods and taught me how to catch snakes and lizards and salamanders and all that kind of stuff. So I spent my childhood basically out in the woods um, catching animals. And, you know, I remember one time when I was, geez, I was probably like 10 or 12, probably like 10. And I decided I was going to have a little zoo in my backyard. And I caught a bunch of toads and frogs and some garter snakes. And I took my dog and chained her to the fence and put the rabbits out there and charged the neighborhood kids like 10 cents to come in and look at my animals. <laughs> so, so that was the beginning of my, my reptile stuff. And then, you know, the one of my big inspirations in my life, besides my older brothers, you know, taking me out and, and teaching me, uh, you know, how to fish and, and, and do the reptiles and stuff, was a guy named Jungle Larry. And he was set up at Cedar Point up in Ohio. And I can tell you, every summer, we'd go up to Cedar Point. It's a, it's a big amusement park. And the only thing mm-hmm. that I wanted to do was ride the roller coasters and go see Jungle Larry. Man, I'd like to hang out at that guy's place all day. He had, you know, the African ride. It was Jungle Larry's African Safari. So that was the first time I saw sulcata tortoises. He had the African rock pythons, you know, big monitor lizards. And this guy was like my hero, you know. And when he would come over and talk to me, it was like, this is just so cool, man. Jungle Larry's talking to me. I mean, I just couldn't get over it. And, you know, so as I, as I grew older, you know, I wanted to go to Florida and work with reptiles. You know, that's, that's what I wanted to do, and that's what I did. I, 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 after I got out of high school, um, I came down here and I worked at a couple reptile parks, worked at an alligator farm, um, ended up at the home of Sassa Springs Wildlife Park and set up the reptile exhibit there and, and did the, the educational programs with the public. I did a lot of that at the, at the various places that I worked. And um, then I kind of got into, in the meantime, you know, as always a part-time business, um, I always had reptiles. I was always breeding stuff, um, you know, wheeling and dealing. And I had Burmese pythons. And I, you know, back in the 80s, before people even were into reptiles, I was breeding Burmese pythons and selling them to pet shops, and you know, in the Florida area um, and things like that. And then it progressed where I got into doing a little bit of importing it from um, Indonesia and West Africa. And that went, you know, that went okay, but it was during a tough time of the economy in the mid-90s. And uh, at that point, you know, I was married. Me and the wife had problems. We split up, and I kind of sold off all my collection and got out of reptiles for 15 years is basically what I did. But um, so that's that's kind of the background history. Kind of got into the toe case, you know. You know? These tokays are becoming huge out there. It's um, the toke business, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, when I when, the, when I got out of the reptile business for a while, you know, my buddies were always bugging me, Jack, when are you going to get back into reptiles? I mean, you're you're a reptile guy, you know, you're you're not doing anything with them, blah, blah, blah. And I just told them, you know, I, I, I just need a break, and I haven't seen anything that really captures my interest. And then one day, I got onto, uh, I don't know what forum it was, some forum. Um, it was, uh, you know, where they were selling reptiles, and somebody had some toke morphs. And I just looked at those things, and I was like, look at these animals. I've just never seen anything like it. Now, I had imported tokes in the past. Um, you know, I've had them. I was familiar with them. And I just couldn't get over, you know, the look of these animals. So, you know, I ended up buying a couple, and they started breeding for me, and I bought some more, and they bred, and, you know, I, it soon built into this little, uh, you know, micro business uh, in the reptile world. And surprisingly enough, you know, I had no idea if anybody would be interested in these animals or not, but surprisingly enough, there was a, a, there's, a, there's a good demand for them. I'll, I'll put it to you that way. And we started a group on Facebook called um, Toke Keepers, or Toke, Toke Gecko Keepers Group. 
and it exploded to, I don't even know how many people are in there now, you know, 1,500 or something like that. So there, there's a big interest for these animals out there. It's kind of like, um, uh, it's, it's, it's like it was with, with, um, geez, the Burmese pythons back in the eighties when I was first starting out, um, you know, just a few people bred them and sold them and then eventually it got bigger and bigger. And, and yeah, it's, it's starting to snowball. There's, there's no doubt about that. It's starting to snowball. Absolutely. How many morphs do you have now? Uh, right you now, you know, with? my main, the main focus that I work with right now is my, my patternless morphs. Um, I also have a bunch of leucistics, uh, we have some, uh, what I believe is T-positive, amelanistic uh, tokays, but there's only been one person that's bred them in captivity, and it was an accidental breeding in Korea. They had two of them in a cage, and they actually produced a visual. So I think it's, it's a, um, a simple recessive gene, but it, we're not really sure yet. You know, some people are saying they're hypos. You know, I'm not a genetics expert, so I really don't know. Uh, but I, I have a female, and I was just looking at her the other day, and I think she's gravid. So hopefully we'll get some eggs, and we'll find out what the deal is with them. Um, but we've got, jeez, uh, we've got calicos. We've got granites, um, you know, the various color phases of the granites. Um, and, and, and primarily oh, leucistics, the T-positives, uh, calicos, patternless, and the granites is what I'm working with right now. So. Is that is the calico like uh, similar to a pie? Because I've seen one that has like white uh, blotches on it. You know, I, I see people calling them pieds, and I see them calling them calicos, and it seems to be to me to be an interchangeable word. Um, okay. With 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 those animals, and, and I'm sure that there's a difference between the two, but um, you know, the the ones that I have are are, are basically a white color. Um, with 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 dark blotches on them, you know. I if you go to our our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com tokex, you can see various pictures of the ones that we have. Um, they're what what is weird about them is, is geez, it's it's hard to explain. There was a breeder that that I he he bred two cal, I think it was two calicos together, and one of them hatched out white, and then it started changing color, and I've heard of other people hatching them out where they hatch out normal. And, and morph over a period of time into the calicos. And I had uh, one that I, I bought from a breeder. I, I believe he bred two calicos together. It's been several years ago. And uh, one of them, um, or the one that I got, she remained, you know, she was a normal colored toke gecko. And I put her in with one of my patternless males, and she killed it. And, and this is a big male. And, you know, it was shocked. You know, I was like, oh, my gosh, this animal, I don't know if I'm going to try to breed it again. So I, I set it off and, into you know, put her in a cage by herself. And, you know, I fed her, and, you know, I'm looking at her little tube every once in a while, and, you know, she was doing fine. Her fecals are all fine and all that kind of stuff. And I had her for, geez, three years. And then one day when we moved all the animals out into our building, um, she came out. And she had turned into a, a, a granite, a blue granite, and she had started getting white patches on her body. So this is an animal that we've had, you know, that was hatched over three years ago, and it morphed after three years of looking normal. So, you know, hmm. what, what do you call that morph? You know what I'm saying? I mean, what what, what yeah, are the genetics behind? Yeah, what are the genetics behind something like that? I mean, it's just crazy. So we've got some eggs from her. We put her in with a leucistic, um, and that's another thing with the leucistics and the tokes. You know, I don't know if they're true leucistics or not because, you know, you'll get some of them and they'll have little brown patches on them and. Um, I, to me, I think the granites, this is my personal opinion, but 
you know, I think a lot of these uh, leucistics that you see out there, or some of them, are, are, are actually blue granites or, or the granite morph um, that slowly morphs into a leucistic is, is my feeling on it. Um, just by seeing the various, you know, color patterns on their, on their body, et cetera, it, it, that's right. just the feeling that I have. So the genetics are, you know, the, the toke breeding um, deal is, is in its infancy right now. Uh, there's not a lot understood. Um, you know, I'll give you a perfect example. The patternless morph that we deal with, you know, the ones that we have are, are uh, simple recessive. You take a male, you breed it to a normal female. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, you'll get all heads. You breed one of the heads back and you'll get a you know, percentage of patternless and a percentage of normal looking ones. So over in Europe, um, they say that they're a co-dominant gene. And I've never seen that in my collection. And I know a lot of other breeders uh, that are working with the patternless and in the United States, and none of them have ever seen it in their collections. And these are guys, you know, one guy's been working with these guys for like 15 years, and he's never seen it. And we've, we've talked about it on the phone several times. So what I, what I ended up doing is looking at some of the photographs of, of some of these tokes, and they're just, I don't know that they're true patternless, the ones that I've seen. Like recently I saw somebody selling a patternless codam that, that they said was uh, banded. Well, you know, you can't have a patternless that's banded. You know what I'm saying? I mean, a true pattern yeah. doesn't have any pattern to it. So, you know, I suspect maybe this is a different morph and it's, you know, something, um, you, you know, it's not a true patternless. You know, if it's a codom, it's not a patternless. All the ones that I know of uh, in the United States that are being bred that are truly patternless, they don't have any pattern on their body. And we've got examples, you know, tons of examples on our Facebook page. Um, that's the morph that we work with. Now, these ones that are codom, you know, I'm not really sure what they are, you know, but. I, I don't understand how you could have the guys in Indonesia shipping tokes, the same guys that ship tokes to the United States, ship to, in the, ship to Europe, and the Europeans, all of a sudden, theirs turn into codoms, and ours turn into simple recessive. You know, so um, I, it doesn't make sense to me. You know what I'm saying? It might be something. Yeah, it might be something different. I'm looking at your page right now. I shared a link yeah. in our uh, chat room so people can find it easily. And on your profile picture, is that one of the leucistics that you're talking about? It uh, looks like it's uh, white with black eyes, solid black eyes. Yeah, the, yeah, that's one of the leucistics, yeah. Yeah, that's a female. We've okay. got eggs from her, too. Yeah, yeah we bred it her reminds with the male. Me, uh, yeah, I mean, I can see a little bit of yellow. And it, look, it reminds me of uh, the now, black-eyed well, leucistic ball python. And that, that has yeah. yellow on it occasionally, too. So really, maybe it's common for them to have some color sometimes. I don't know. I'm just saying. It, you know. it could be, you know. That's that's the whole thing, you guys. You know, I don't know, and and it's it's just um, it's just it's just like I said, it's just in its infancy that that it's just really hard to tell. So, anyways, but yeah, let me let me uh, go take a look. Yeah, that's that's one of my Lucy's. Yep, I'm looking at her, and if you look in the in the big picture, that's one of our patternless. Now that particular, yep. <laughs> excuse me, I got a little something in my throat. The uh, the patternless that, that you're looking at in that picture, that's what we call our that that's a line that we call purple passion. Now mm -hmm. there's a really cool story behind that animal. When we first got into these tokes, you know, people were selling blue headed greens, they were selling olive patternless, they were selling uh, powder blues and et cetera. And what we learned was when we produced these these uh, purple passions, I went in my toke room one day. And saw the saw a baby in there. It was purple, and I was like, "What the heck? Look at that thing! It's it's freaking purple. That is, that is beautiful." 
So I took some pictures and I sent it to a couple other breeders, and one of them bred powder blues. And she goes, that's a powder blue. That looks exactly like my powder blues. And this other guy said, you know, I'm not really sure what it is. He goes, that's crazy looking. So we stuck to the name Purple Passion. And what we found out is that the powder blues, the patternless blue-headed greens, and the olive patternless, if you breed those together, you, you always get patternless babies. But the colors may vary. So when people are selling powder blues, there's really not a morph that's a powder blue. It's really a patternless that has a powder blue coloration to it. And what I okay. believe is, is that's kind of um, – and, and it's just my personal opinion – but what I believe is that's a, a possibly a, a geographic variant, you know, within the animals. It's like over here where I live, the corn snakes are kind of ugly looking. But if you go over to Marion County, they're beautiful. So okay. I just think that's just a geographic thing. You know, like maybe somebody, when they go out and collect tokes, they, they collect colonies. So possibly some of these colonies have a lot of that blue color in it, but they're still a, a genetic patternless, you know, simple recessive. And other ones may yeah. have more green to them. Or some of them may have some, you know, yellow mixed in with the green. But, but to me, they're all the same morph. Because bred together, they always produce a patternless. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And do you think that breeding um, two powder blues together, Jack, will, will give you powder blues? I mean, have you found that out? I mean, um, it, you know, you, you'll get they, – their colors vary so much individually. Like, you'll look at a toke – um, like my, my, my purple passions, you know, for instance, a girl, I had somebody, you know, saying, oh, those are just blue. This, now, this is in the very beginning when people, you know, thought that the, 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 the blue-headed greens and the, you know, the patternless blue-headed greens, because there's two different blue-headed greens, and the, um, and the uh, powder blues, they thought there were two different morphs. So she was saying that that, that animal is, is uh, you know, that's, that's not, a, um, that's not a, a powder blue. And it, so she looked at this picture, and, and she just said, it's a blue-headed green. So then I sent her another picture, and I said, well, what, what's this one? And she goes, oh, that's a powder blue. I said, okay. I said, well, they're the same animal. <laughs> you know, they change colors. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, yeah. you know, the, yeah, so sometimes these, these powder blue-looking ones, you know, they'll turn black in color. Same thing with blue-headed greens. They'll turn a really dark color. If you put them on a different color background, like a white background, they get really, really light with real you know, powder blue heads and green bodies. So a lot of it depends on how the animals are feeling that day. And, and that's why yeah. when people, they'll, they'll call or they'll email me and say, you know, can you send me some pictures of your animals? And it's really hard to do because you've got to get them at the right color, you know. You've you got to yeah. – um, the, the, the animal has to be in the right mood. It has to be the right background, you know. Um, it's not like a to- – you know, it's not like the, the morphs that you guys work with. You just reach in, grab the animal, take a picture, and send it off. This is a whole different process. I mean, you, you know, you want to capture the animal when they're, when they're in their, their most beautiful color phase. And, uh, and, and I always explain to people that, you know, these guys, they're like chameleons. You know, they'll, ch- they'll change color, you know, in 10 minutes or five minutes, depending on their mood or whatever's bothering them or, you know, what, mating or whatever it is. So, you know, they're, they're very difficult animals to photograph in my opinion, you know, to, to get the, the best color to show people what this animal is going to look like when it's fired up. So it, it makes it different. Well, the hardest okay. part we found is getting the leopard geckos to stay still for photos. That's always the hardest thing that I've found. <laughs> a lot of us <laughs> they yeah. have a motor in them that just makes them want to move. <laughs> well, you know, with the tokes, and here's another thing, you know, how, how I have my tank set up is I have them in 18 by 18 by 24 um, uh, Zoomed tanks. I don't use exo- – I, I have Exoterras, but I don't really like them because the screens rust out on top. 
So okay. I use the, the Zoomed tanks, and I have, you know, on the bottom, I, I sometimes I use Cypress or, or whatever I have for a su- substrate. But I, I have PVC tubes inside their tanks that they, that they hide in. So when you put a mm-hmm. pair in there and they start breeding, they're laying their eggs inside that PVC uh, tube. And so, you know, they start hatching like, you know, when we go to the shows, Game, of Fish say, Game and Fish will say, okay, when that hatch. And it's like, you know, I have no idea. I mean, you know, they're inside these tubes, and I don't bother them every day. And some days I look in there, and I see a baby. You know, so we, we leave them in there with the parents because personally I found out, with, and this is just me, and, and everybody has a different opinion. My toke, my, when the babies hatch, the parents, you know, they really guard them, and, and they really protect them, and they really take care of them. And they do so much better. They grow faster. And so I, I leave them in the tubes with the parents. So you might have a, a female lay, you know, six or eight eggs. And, and over a period of months, you have eggs hatching out. And you look in there, and there's a pile of tokes. I've got pictures on the, on the Facebook page. You look in there, and there's a bunch of tokes. And somebody wants you to go into that tube and get one of those tokes out to take pictures. Well, that's not, you know, what I have to do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're talking about Papa Toke. He's coming, you know, he's, he's coming after you. He's not going to let you stick your hand inside there. So I got to take him out. You know, what I do is I, I have a little method where um, I, I plug up both ends of the tube and I take them out. And I got this little tent and I go inside the tent and I gently, you know, prod them out of there and, and mom and dad all come, you know, they all come out all over the place and I'll go through and, and photograph the ones that, that you know, are, are for sale or what have you. And then I'll separate them into their individual cages and number them. So I know which animal is which and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, so it's a big process to, 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 um, to get these animals out and, photograph them and all that stuff and then you stress out the parents and another thing is then you have eggs in there that are still fertile so you're messing around with this tube and you don't want to really tilt it you don't want to move it and you got you know mom and dad and the babies you know crawling over the eggs and you don't want to ruin the eggs so it turns into a big drama you know for me to try to <laughs> photograph these tokens i mean you know i've had males uh, where I've, I, I, I've i've got them out inside the tent where the males have crawled up my leg and i'm telling you i have some our, our purple passion patternless line that we have the males are just they're just big animals, and, and you know they could – if they bitch you, it's not going to tickle. And I've had them literally crawl up my pants on several occasions, and it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, oh, my God, that's there. right. Yeah, you just, start, <laughs> you just start laughing to yourself. It's like, just don't bite me, dude. Please don't bite me. And, and so what I'd I do is regret. What's that? I'd rather, have a pan, I'd rather have a pants full of fire ants than a big male toker. In there. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. To be honest with you, I wouldn't, because none of them ever have ever bit me. So I just kind of, you know, kind of slowly grab onto them, get a little grip, and I just kind of pull them down my leg. A couple times I've had to take off my pants and hold them out of the toe case so he couldn't get me. So, but uh, it, I know it, it sounds crazy, and it really is. And I know a bunch of the toe cave breeders that I talk to, they laugh and they think I'm crazy when I do that. They're like, dude, just get them. And, you know, I had a, a friend of mine, he, he's a toe cave breeder, and uh, he came down from from New York and, and he went through the collection with me a little while back and, and I've got video, we videotaped everything. So, and we are going to put it on YouTube and, and show people, you know, um, the animals a little bit closer. So, but he just reaches in the cages and he's just grabbing the animals and he's letting them bite them and they're barking at them and raising all kinds of heck. And, but he's actually pretty good with them. And, and to be honest with you, he only got bit twice and he must've pulled out 20 or 30 tokes when he was at my place, you know, going through the animals and, and, the tokes, you know, that's another thing we need to talk about, you know, taming tokes and are they, you know, what kind of pets are they and all that. This guy, uh, his name's Caleb Holden. He came to the Daytona show uh, a couple of years ago when I was there. 
and I had a bunch of my, my animals on the, on the table and he's, you know, he goes over and he starts opening them up. I said, dude, don't open up those, those, uh, you know, the containers, because if one of those toe cases gets loose, number one, you're never going to catch it in here and it's going to be my liability. And I don't want you getting bit by him. He's like, I don't, don't worry about it. And I said, all right. I said, listen, dude, you're the only guy that I trust doing this. So he walks over and he pops them open. And he reaches in. Now these are toe cases that I just pulled from their mother like two weeks previous and I hadn't handled them at all. And he literally, these, these are patternless animals. He had them tamed down, was handling them. I'm talking within five minutes, literally five minutes. They were just like, <laughs> I was looking at them like, you got to be kidding me. You know, I wish I had the time to do that because it was so cool. And people were coming up and they were able to pet the animals. And, and it was just, you know, it was amazing. So tokes can be tamed in captivity. Um, you know, it, it's just a matter of, of whether you have the time to, to commit to working with the animals. And if you have the the personality of, you know, one person will reach in and just grab them real tight, you know, put that death grip on them, hold on, oh, my God, he's going to bite me. And then you have people that have a more gentle touch, kind of grab them, pick them up, and they kind of leave them a little bit loose in their hands. And, you know, uh, uh, Caleb's a younger guy, so he's got a little, you know, faster reflexes than me. So he's, uh, he, he did a great job, and, and they can be tamed down. I've sold tokes, and there's been plenty of people posting pictures in our toke Gecko Keepers group um, you know, showing that, that they've tamed the animals, animals down in a relatively short period of time. And I'm talking about dog tame, um, where, where you can just, you know, you just reach in and pick them up and take them out. And they're just, you know, they're like a, they're like a big slug, you know, it's, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. So they can yeah. be tamed in captivity. They, well, that, you know, they you know, can actually be turned into a pet. Go ahead. That's, encu- that's encouraging, Jack, because when I was a kid, I've owned several of them. And, you know, I've, I've been bit several times by them, but it always seemed, now that I, now that I think back on it, it always seems that I got bit trying to grab them or restrain them. They always went out of their way to bark at me and startle me, like to evade me before actually just going to lunge and bite me, like say like a nasty monitor lizard would. Um, they always, you know, they, they put on the defensive show first, and that, that when they bark at you loud, it it startles you. I mean, it, it gives you a yeah. little, you know, a wake up call. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah. in your experience, they, they don't really go out of the way to bite you, do they? Unless they unless they really have to, right? You know they they don't they they really don't. Um, I've I've never opened up a cage and had a toke try to attack me. It's just never happened. Mm-hmm. And I, I have mm-hmm. one male right now. He's in a he's in a uh, terrarium and he doesn't have his hide tube in there, so he's you know loose in the glass so I can photograph him. And so what I'll do is you know sometimes I'll get up at two in the morning and I'll go out there with my phone and take pictures of the tokes because they're all out barking and raising heck and and all that kind of stuff. So he's he's not in his tube, so I can get some nice photographs some photographs of him. He's not for sale, but I just you know like to he's just a beautiful animal. And, and I just love, mm-hmm. you know, showing them to the public. I, I, in fact, I've taken them to all the shows that we've done, and people just freak out when they see them. So um, he, uh, he doesn't do anything. You know, I'll reach into his cage, and, you know, I, I have a water bowl in there for him, and I have a, a, a feed bowl, a glass bowl where I, you know, put mealworms or, or uh, the roaches or whatever I have, you know, crickets in there for him. And, uh, you know, so I'll, I'll be cleaning the glass. I use like a vinegar water solution where I'm cleaning his glass. And every once in a while he'll, he'll go, ow, you know, he'll bark and he'll, you know, move his head towards me, and, you know, I just kind of ignore him and go about my business. He never tries to bite me. You know, they're, they're just scared. They're, 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 they're a high, you know, they can be a high-strung, they're scared animals. Um, you know, a lot of people say that they can't be tamed, and that's because they're picking up toke geckos from pet shops that have just been shipped over here from Indonesia. You know, they've been sitting over in a cage over there for who knows how long they're brought over here. Uh, to a dealer, then from a dealer, they go to a jobber, then from a jobber, they go to a wholesaler, then from the wholesaler, they go to the 
you know, to the pet shop, and then you get the people at the pet shop who may not have any knowledge of them, and they're not messing with them. And, uh, you know, sometimes, um, you know, the, the setups aren't really adequate for the tokays, and so the animals are highly stressed. And, um, yeah. you know, yeah, they're going to they're gonna be they're going to be upset when you try to reach in there and, and uh, grab them. And and but if you take them home, you know, you get the animals deparasited, you work with them, um, you know, they can be tamed down. Absolutely. Even the wild ones, even the wild ones. But I do notice the big difference between as far as being tamed mm-hmm. down. So but it, it's awesome. And I mean, you know, when when somebody gets a toke from me and I tell them, you know, they, they say, hey, you know, do you have any tame ones? Because there are there are breeders out there that sell tame tokes. You know, they have small collections. <clears throat> Um, mm-hmm. So they have a lot of time to dedicate to, to working with their animals and, you know, getting the babies out and taming them down. And I think that's awesome and fantastic. And people say, well, you know, they don't have a, a patternless morph, and I'm, that's what I'm interested. Do you have any tame ones? It's like, you know, I don't. But if you really want one and, and you want to work with it, you can tame it down yourself in a few days. You know, just remain calm with it and, and all that stuff. And, and they'll, they'll email me back with pictures. They'll get on the Facebook page, post some pictures, you know, all this thing, I got to tame in two days. It's so awesome. And, you know, that makes me feel proud. You know, it's like awesome. You know, it's, that's, that's great. So, yeah, the animals can definitely well, you know, tame down and, 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 and kept as, you know, as a, as a it, you know, it's not something you want to handle all the time. I mean, you know, but it is something that you can yeah. work with and uh, you can, you can handle and, and, and mess around with them. I mean, I, I had a girl that, um, that would come to the shows, a young lady, and she would come behind my booth and hang out with us, and she had a tame toke, and this thing was so tame. I mean, you could rub its belly. You could do anything to this, and the kids would come up. I mean, this is, you know, it was so great that she would come to the shows and, and, and work, with, work with me because it gave the little kids an opportunity to actually touch a toke and, and see this, you know, this animal is tame, you know. I mean, yeah. you can see that. It was, it, you know, it was, it was, it was great. The, the young lady's name is Jamie Tuning. And she was just fantastic, and and she was really, you know, um, really gave people a, 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 an, an opportunity that they might not have had, you know. And I, I know, you know, there's other breeders in the country that do the same thing. They go to the shows, and they'll have tame tokes, you know, adults and everything, and they'll let people, you know, handle them and, and take pictures with them and all that stuff. And I think that's fantastic. You know, I think that's great PR for the toke geckos. It's a wonderful thing, so. Yeah, and, and you know, Jack, I, I, I'm sure you've seen this video that gets passed around on Facebook every once in a while. I mentioned it in the beginning of the show, and uh, you can, and I'm sure you know what I'm going to talk about. They're very intelligent geckos and lizards, for that matter. Um, two geckos on a wall of a house in their native habitat, and one of the geckos gets uh, struck by a snake, and the snake coils around it, and you see the other, it's okay, rescuing its friend by pulling the snake off of him. Have you seen that video? You know, I have. Um and it's it's um, it didn't surprise me when I saw it, and I thought it was yeah. awesome. And it's a great video for people to see. There, you know, these animals, um, you know, they they pair up, um, they bond. Uh, I mean, they're, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, my my buddy Caleb, he's breeding um, super reds, and I guess it's a co-dominant strain where, you know, when the babies hatch out, you'll get some that are normal and they don't carry the gene, then you'll get other ones that over a period of time morph into a super red. And um, somebody was saying that, oh, that's, that's, there's going to be so many of those around over the next couple of years because it's go dominant, and you just put that male in with a bunch of females, they're going to be spitting those things out like crazy. <laughs> it's like, you know, and this person, it's like, that's not true because these animals, you know, the tokes they bond to each other, so you can't take a male and just throw it in with a female one week and expect it to breed. Throw it in with another female the next week, 
and, you know, ha- expect this guy to impregnate, you know, 20 or 30 females. So you're going to pump out a bunch of super reds. It's just not going to happen. Um, they, yeah. it takes time for them to, to get to know each other. Sometimes, you know, I'll put a pair together and boy, they, they bond up right away and they're producing eggs in 30 days. You know, I've got eggs. I've, I've had some of these animals put out two eggs every month consistently over a year's period of time. Um, wow. but yeah. yeah, but then I have other ones that they, well, like I told you that one uh, female toke killed the male, didn't like it. Um, and I have had, had others where they, they just, um, they just don't want to breed you know, so I'll move the, the female out or I'll move the male out, you know, whatever, and put them in with another animal to pair them, and they'll have eggs in 30 days. They just, you know, they get along, and they they just have like a – it's kind of like a family bond. I mean, you know, when you go in tubes, and, and, and like I say, you know, if you try to reach in there, they're going to protect their babies. I mean, they're, they're you yeah. know, especially the dad. I mean, the mothers, you know, they don't go crazy. Sometimes they'll, 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 they'll get underneath the dad and move away and all that stuff, but the dads are really protective animals. And, um, yeah, so that video, that didn't surprise me one bit, you know, not, not a bit. Yeah. And, and another thing is these, these animals, they, they live in colonies. That's another thing. I mean, tokays will live in colonies, and, um, you know, a lot of times they're, they're just like big, giant families. And, yeah, you'll have other tokays from other areas moving in, you know, to, to break up the genetics and stuff. But they, they, in the wild, you know, I'm pretty sure that these animals are living in colonies. I know they do down in Florida. You know, we have wild tokays mm-hmm. down here, and uh, they seem yeah. to li- live in in little colonies, um, you know, mom and dad stay together, laying tons of eggs, uh, you know. So, yeah, that, that video is, is incredible. It's an incredible video. I, I, I love watching it. I'm glad you brought that Jack. up. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah Jack, we have a, a, we have a caller on the line, um, Declamation Radio's biggest fan, Elsa, and uh, I think she has a okay as a pet. So we're going to bring her on and answer this question for you. Elsa, sure. you're live on the air. Hi, I have eight tokays, including oh. uh, a nice uh, male that is uh, tame from the tokay corral, and Emily's in the chat room tonight. So, uh, you know, I, I was you... I was wondering. Uh, I, I'm learning so much from my head spinning. Uh, <laughs> the, the you think the granites and and the uh, and the patternless are related? No, I, no, not the patternless, the leucistics. Leucistics. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. and the, <laughs> the reason I say, the reason I, and this is just my personal opinion. Um, you know, I'm sure there's somebody much more knowledgeable about that than I am. But, you know, I have noticed that the granites that, that, that I have, like the one um, that came from a pair of calicos, and she stayed normal for three years and then morphed into a, a granite, she developed, started developing white patches on her body. You know, hmm. so to me, that's it's like Jesus getting white patches. So maybe this animal's morphing into something more. And I've noticed the leucistics. I have leucistics in my colony that have a lot of pattern to them, um, and it, and it kind of seems to gradually go away. You know, so I, I don't know that they're true leucistics. You know, like I said, I'm not, I don't claim to be a genetics expert or anything like that. So if I'm wrong about something, you're you know you're more than welcome to tell me, and I don't have a problem with that. But but no, they're they're definitely not patternless. The granites are not patternless. No. Okay. Thanks a lot. Hey, you're welcome. Hey, hey, listen, let me ask you a question about Emily. I just recently learned about the Toke Corral. Um, how is she doing with that? Uh, well, she she's on tonight. Uh, she's doing real well. Uh, she produces quite a few nice Tokes. Um, uh, you know, she's got a pair of, uh, of females for sale that I would love. I'm drooling over them, but I've got my hands full right now, and and she said one of them's really sweet. So, 
beautiful. Hop yeah. on over. You know, yeah. You know, what, what I, this is what I, I love about the, the Toke, you know, uh, community. You, you know, you have a lot of people. Um, I mean, I didn't realize I mean, she's a friend of mine on Facebook, and I didn't realize that she had the Toke Corral. I mean, I'm I'm busy, so I don't have a, a lot of time to spend on that. But um, there's a lot of people that are they're getting into them and breeding them and doing fantastic jobs. You know, producing beautiful animals, and and I'm always it always makes me feel good when I see somebody that that I didn't realize that they were a Toke breeder and they're and they're putting out some beautiful animals. It's like you know that's freaking awesome. You know, and to well, me, I'm really happy with my male. He's got he's full of personality and. And he, he, he gazes at me a lot and uh, steals uh, uh, food from the other toke and watches TV and watches the computer screen. He's a crap. Just make sure it doesn't uh, bully that other toke too much. That's what you got to worry about, you know. No, Sometimes she they'll bully him. him. But yeah. uh, uh, he, he's, he's coming into his own now, so. That is, that is fantastic. You know, how long have you been keeping tokes? I I got into tokes years and years ago, just finding them at pet stores, and they didn't last. I was, you know, I'd ask how to keep them, and you know, they gave the business about crickets on the sand and all kinds of things. And of course, I didn't know about worming. I didn't know about wild cots, uh, and I adored them, like I yep. like to say, I love at first bite. But <laughs> uh, you know, I, they were dying right and left, and. Uh, and so finally I decided this is not fair for them, and I gave it up, but I never forgot them. And so a few years ago I, st- I started noticing stuff on Facebook and on the Internet uh, about, you know, different different uh, geckos, and I thought, do I dare? And and so I started looking at tokes again and fell in love, went to the pet store, but, but uh, then I, I got um, – I got this nice mail from uh, Emily, and and I just can't say enough about him. He's he's a really great guy. That's fantastic. How, let me ask you, how do you have it set up? Right now, I just have small individual tanks, and uh, after the first year, I'm going to be investing in some uh, exoterras. Yeah, yeah. Can I make a suggestion? Yeah. The, the 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 exoterras, you know, with the the humidity and things like that, it, the 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 screens on the top begin to rust out. And although I do oh, own some, good to know. pardon me. That's good to know. Yeah. So you know what what I've done is gone with the Zoomed products. You know the Zoomed terrariums. The only thing I don't like, you know, I, what I love about Exoterra is that they have the double doors. <laughs> And to me, that's really beneficial, especially when I'm working with, you know, if there's babies out in the, in the tanks and stuff and you, you have double doors. So you can just open up one of the doors and reach in and take the food bowl out and take the water bowls out, et cetera, and yeah. without having babies get loose in your room. And uh, that's a real benefit for the uh, Exoterra. Um, but as far as uh, quality, I think the quality you're going to get is a little bit better with uh, the Zoomed products, and that's just my personal opinion. You know, and, and well, I, if you... Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's just something that, you know, I mean, you know, are you going to have to buy a new screen top in a couple of years, you know, probably, you know, that's okay. kind of, I guess. So, I'm kind of afraid of front-loading doors. It's almost like suicide doors sometimes, but. You know, but, honestly, uh, that, 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 that it's really not because when I had, you know, when I first got some tokes, I went out and got some, you know, like an imbecile. I went and bought some tubs and, and put them in and they actually did all right in them, but uh, I didn't like it. And and when you open the tubs, you know they'll bolt out of there. 
And, and with the front doors, you know, the tokes aren't. They're just watching you. You know, they're in their terrarium. They're feeling comfortable. You reach in there, you know, like we were talking before. They'll bark at you and grunt and stuff like that. But um, they don't necessarily just bolt right out the door. So the front, the front opening doors, to me, is a blessing with the tokes. To me, it's a blessing. I mean, I love them. Okay. I love it. Yeah. Well, I suppose coming from above, they would be more frightened than Pardon? maybe – Coming in, you know, with, with your hand coming in, you know, level to them. Yeah, yeah, it, it doesn't seem to, you know, they they'll they'll watch you, they'll watch you. I mean, I have tokes that when I walk in my building, I mean, they come, they, they literally they'll they'll come out of their tubes, and it's almost like they know me. They come out of the tubes and they'll they'll watch me, you know, they'll hear me come in, and within a couple seconds, I hear, see their noses popping out, and then they I see their heads, and they come looking over, and they come out of their tanks, and they watch me as I'm working, and you know, taking care of the colony and all that stuff. So. I mean, they are smart animals. They're, they're. I mean, you, as far as lizards go, tokes are just so gorgeous. And then we've oh, got these are. awesome morphs that people are working with and 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 coming out with. I just see a big future for these animals. And you know, you're gonna you're gonna love your toke. You're gonna love that toke. And 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 geez, you know, post some pictures of it. Are you are you are you on our Facebook page? Oh yeah, the toke, oh, yeah. the toke gecko keepers group. Post some, post some pictures, yep. man, because we love to see that stuff. You know, a lot of times I'll just roll on there, and I don't have a lot of time to comment and things like that. Um, I'm kind of, you know, pretty busy person, but uh, I love seeing the I pictures of, of of what people have. It's just, you know, there's just some beautiful animals out there, and it, it's exciting. It's exciting. So, hey, listen, we're glad, glad you called in. Thanks. Yeah. Bye bye. Thanks a lot, Elsa. Uh huh. Bye bye. All right. All right, cool. Well, I didn't know she had so many tokes. That's pretty cool. Um, hey, Jack, why don't we talk a little bit about husbandry of tokes? A lot of people, um, well, like you, like we were saying, like they were saying in pet stores, they don't always have them kept the right way. And uh, let's uh, let's hear some pointers that you can give us on how to properly care for them. You know, the the best way that 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 I've learned with working with these tokes. Um, you know, when you st- you know, some people start off and they do you know various plastic tubs and things like that, and uh, which I did in the very beginning. You know, I had plastic tubs and, and they they did all right in them, but it just it just wasn't right. I, I don't know why. It just didn't feel right having them in there. And so I you know I invested in some um, some nice terrariums from from uh, you know like I said I have both Zoomed and Exoterra, and I set them up. Um, you know, you can use. You know, cocoa fiber, most of my cages have cocoa fiber in them. Um, it's kind of hard for me to get over here, so sometimes I'll, I'll switch it out and put uh, cypress mulch in there. But you have to be really careful because the cypress mulch that they sell at the big box stores, it'll say cypress mulch, mulch mix, and it's got pine mixed in with it. So you don't want to have any pine uh, inside there. Yeah, and yeah. people don't realize that. You know, and the stores say, no, that's that's 100% cypress mulch, and it's not. If it's a, if it has anything on there about a mix and it doesn't say 100% cypress mulch, then it's not, and you, and you don't want to use it. So you want to use a substrate that's going to hold some humidity. And obviously, like like she was saying, you know, you don't want to use sand or anything like that, but you want to use something that's going to hold some humidity into it. But you don't want to have um, too much humidity. Uh, down here, that's a problem, you know, in Florida. I'm down in Florida, and obviously it gets pretty humid down here, so I have to be really careful about that. Um, if if you let the humidity get high, they they get uh, fungus on their skin, and there's a fungus that will kill them within a couple of days. I don't know what it is, but it, it can wipe them out fast. And and so with the Zoomed and the Exoterra terrariums, the all glass terrariums with the screen tops, they have a decent circulation to them. 
the, the humidity isn't blocked in there like, like what would happen if you used a plastic tub. That's the big problem with the plastic tubs is the humidity is too high. A lot of the tokes don't stick to that plastic very well, and they have a hard time crawling around, so that's not good. So the glass, they don't have any problems. The glass is easy to disinfect, easy to maintain. Um, you want to keep the humidity. You know, I'm, it's hard for me to really tell you what the perfect humidity is because um, down here we'll get up to, you know, 90% humidity sometimes. So, you know, I, I would guess if you can keep the humidity around the 60% area. And there, I'm sure there's other people that, that will have a better idea that, on that than me because they're in dry areas and they really have to pay attention to that. To me, it's not something I, I worry about, you know, keeping the humidity up. To me, it's I worry about keeping the humidity down. So, but you mm-hmm. want a, a tank that's going to have good airflow to it um, with, with a humid, you know, a moist substrate to it. You want to have a hiding area for your toke, and that's why I use these. P- I use four-inch PVC tubes that they can crawl into and hide. Um, you can, and, and from there you can dress up the tank any way you want. You know, you can put in plants, and you can. I mean, I've seen pictures are, of just beautiful terrariums. You know, all planted up, all natural. Um, you know, they have the little bugs in there eating up the fecal matter and all that kind of stuff. You can do that, and or you can have a more basic terrarium. You know, which I I, I have to for easy maintenance and cleaning and all that kind of stuff. So, um, and it's then, then we go to temperatures and that's an interesting subject. People have various opinions on it and I can only go with what's worked for me and my tokays, they're most active when it's in the low, low seventies, you know, 75, 72, 75 degrees, they're coming out and they're barking. Um, they're feeding, they're barking. They're very active at that temperature. In the daytime, my building will go up to about 85 degrees, um, which gives them plenty of, of heat to digest their food and things like that. But I've seen people, you know, posting where, you know, oh, they should have a basking area of 100 degrees. And it's like, man, you're going to kill your toe cave. If you, if he's, or not a basking area. They say the temperature in the tank needs to be 100 degrees. And it's like the toe cave, yeah. you're going to kill your toe cave. You can't keep it at 100 degrees and... You know, you don't need a basking area at 100 degrees either. You know, if you have a, if you use a basking area, um, you know, if you have something in the 87 degree range, I mean, that's, geez, that's more than adequate for these animals. I mean, you know, yeah, they come from a tropical region, but, um, you know, I've seen tokes here in Florida out feeding, literally feeding in, in the 60 degree in, in temperatures, you know, where they're out active, actively moving around in those temperatures. So, you know, they may come from a, a tropical area, but, um, you know, they're not out in the sunshine. They're not out in the daytime. They're hiding down in cooler areas where it's nice and dark and, uh, you know, they're hiding out. So um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't let the, the, you know, the basking area in the upper 80s uh, if you're going to use a basking area. And then, um, you know, uh, the, the ambient temperature in the, in the tank, you know, um, mid-80s at the tops during the daytime. And then let the tank cool down into the 70s at night. And the tokes, you know, mine love it. They, and they, they thrive and they do fantastic, and I don't have a problem breeding, breeding them or, you know, anything like that. So that's uh, something to look at on temperature. And then as far you as find diet, them to be so, nocturnal, Jack? Do you think they're nocturnal okay. mostly, Jack? Tokays, yeah, they're totally nocturnal. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. 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 I mean, they, yeah, they I like how their pupils dilate. Yeah, they, they will come out during the daytime, but they're, they're a nocturnal animal. They're, they're active at night. That's when they do, you know, most of their hunting and, uh, you know, and then somebody might say, well, yeah, but I put crickets in my cage and it came out and ate. And, yeah, they will. But, you know, but they're, they're, they're mainly, they're primarily a nocturnal animal. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they're, they're nocturnal. And as far as diet goes, um, I, you know, I, I feed discoids. Um, 
I feed uh, crickets and superworms are my primary diets. And then I also raise soldier, soldier fly larvae that I throw into them. And they'll eat the soldier fly larvae, and they do well. Um, and I, I, you know, when it comes to the, you know, insects that you're feeding to your, your geckos, it's just like any other lizard. You want to nutrient load them with, you know, a good quality food. I mean, I feed all my, my insects collard greens. You know, that's a primary diet of, their, of theirs. Um, you know, I'll give them a, a high protein or a, a you know a high quality uh, moistened dog food for them to eat, um, and, and 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 then mix vitamins in with it. And you know, you want these these things gut loaded. And then I use um, you know the Rapashi Calcium Plus. I dust all my animals or all the uh, insects um, before I feed them to the uh, tokes. And you know, you want to keep them a, a good quality nutrition. You want to vary their diet as well. So, okay, yeah. And what do you think about um, dubias or dubia roaches are good for people up north? Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know anything about the dubias. The discoids that I use, they're uh, <laughs> some of the tokes eat them, some of them don't. Um, they, you know, I they uh, I, I feed them, but honestly, I, I love crickets. I love feeding them crickets because I think mm-hmm. I can nutrient load them, um, you know, quicker. Uh, although the discoids will hold the nutrients a lot longer, but um, I like crickets. But the problem with crickets is, is they stink. You know, you you have crickets and they're stinking up your room. You know, you walk into the, the oh, yeah. gecko house and, and I got crickets in there. It's like, oh my god, this is crazy. And that's kind of why yeah. I switched over to the, the discoids. So the crickets smell so bad. But the roaches, you know, you, you know, nutrient load them, uh, throw some little, you know, powder on them um, when you're going to put them in the cage. And yeah, they're, they're, they they work if you're if your uh, tokes will eat them. You know the tokes okay. are, are kind of some of. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Jack. Sorry. Uh, I was just I was just going to say the tokes. Some of them can be kind of finicky. You know, some of okay. them will only eat crickets. I have others that eat crickets, and they they go crazy over superworms, just crazy over them. And then I have others that won't touch a superworm. I can you know I could throw superworms in there for ten years, and they wouldn't eat one. All they want is you know roaches. Uh, so they're they're mm-hmm. all individual you know characters, and and they all you know, have their own uh, preferences to what they want to eat. But it's it's always good to offer a mixed diet, you know. And then, okay. you know, here's another um, thing. Yeah, go mm-hmm. ahead. I was going to say, as far as a mixed diet, uh, we've seen that the we've, – we've thought that leopard geckos were primarily carnivorous, but a lot of people are now uh, trying rapashi grub pie. I mean, yeah, it's, it's made up of bugs, but it's in a, like a – it's like in a, a gelatin kind of state, and it's not moving, of course, and – the leopard geckos and even fat tails are eating it. Will um, tokes eat other things besides living insects? Uh, the rapashi, well, I'll tell you what, I have green-eyed crested or green-eyed uh, uh, geckos, and those eat mm-hmm. uh, rapashi, uh, the, the crested gecko diet. I mean, I feed that to them all the time. Um, I've tried mm-hmm. it. I've tried it with the uh, tokes, and I really haven't had any luck. I know people do uh, occasionally feed them some fruit, um, I think bananas mm-hmm. and some other things. Um, but, uh, I've, I've tried the grub pie, um, because it's, it's, you know, um, it seems like it'd be an awesome diet for them, but I haven't had any luck, you know, that mine haven't had any kind of interest in it, but it would be awesome if somebody came up with something that those tokes would eat like that, or, you know, a pre-made diet, wouldn't that be something make life a lot easier? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and 
one of these days, you know, maybe they'll get the right um, the right scent to the food that will attract the tokes and 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 maybe get them to eat it. But uh, you know, there are people that have had a meat crusted gecko diet. You know, mine don't, but there are people. Um, you know, there's videos on YouTube of people feeding them crusted gecko diet, and it certainly can't hurt mm-hmm. them. You know, that, I think it's pretty cool. So, but but pre made diets at the moment aren't you know a primary thing for the tokes. I mean, you know, people are, have done it, and some of them will eat it you know on occasion, but it's not like a primary diet. So okay, all right. Um, I see we have a couple callers on the line. I don't know if they want to come on the air. If you are in the call queue and you'd like to come on the air, press one on your phone, and a little question mark will appear next to your number, and now you want to come on with a question. Again, the call number is 646-478-5331. Uh, looks like we have a caller for you, Jack. Let's go ahead and take a call from 513 Area Code. You're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hi. Uh, I'm a toke owner. I've had a female toke for almost four years now, and I recently, um, and she's just, a joy, probably needless to say. I know Motoke fans, but she's just awesome. And so I got two cool. more very recently, and um, they're, they're they appear to be very young, but maybe like one might be six months old, and the other is perhaps ten months old. So there's a size difference, but they've been housed together for quite a while. The previous owner had them for five months, and I only had them for a week. But I wanted to know what kind of behavior should I be looking for to see if they are. Um, compatible or to make sure there isn't any bullying? Like, what does lizard bullying behavior look like? Just like good people question. bullying. That's I a, mean, yeah, they're not making each other up or anything, but they are awfully, they're close together all the time, and I've I've read that, that that isn't like them being cute and snuggly. They're like, maybe one of them is trying to, you know, sort of throw their weight around, I, but I'm not really sure if that's what they're doing. Well, basically, um, do you know what sexes they are? I'm quite sure the larger one is a female, but the other one is, is so young. I mean, it, at the moment it looks like a female, but she she seems pretty young. Like, she still has the blackish bands around her tail. So I don't yeah. know if, if she's old enough to guess. But I would say they're both – they certainly don't call. They don't make any noise. Yeah, they're, they're probably – yeah, they might be too young for that. Um, and, and remind me, guys, to, to talk about the Toke's uh, mating calls. That, that's something I want to talk about. Um, they're, um, okay. what, what, what you what you um, you want to do is find out what sexes they are. The younger ones, you know, they can be sexed. If, if you can get a photograph and email them to me, um, you know, a close photograph of, uh, you know, where they go to the bathroom, their, their anal area. And there's little pores there that you can see and, and determine if it's a male or a female. And you can actually feel them as the males become more mature. Uh, if you rub your finger against them, it, it kind of feels um, kind of rough. And, and after they become more mature, it gets kind of a waxy appearance to it. But there's also some great photographs on the Internet on how to, how to sex them. Uh, but you, wanna, mm-hmm. you don't want to keep two males together. Um, right now, right. If, um, you know, that, that they're, gonna, they're eventually going to kill each other. Um, two females together, personal, <laughs> yeah. you know, my personal opinion is, I keep them separated. You know, okay. I, I keep all my tokes. Once I pull them from the parents, I don't keep them in another cage with another toke. They're separated by themselves. Um, so I can monitor, particularly, you know, um, new animals that you're just getting in. You want to monitor their feeding and behavior uh, to make sure they're doing all right. Uh, bullying will be one of the animals um, hogging all the food, you know, running down there and getting the crickets before the other one does. And then pretty soon you notice your one toke um, isn't, you know, it's starting to get thin and is, isn't eating right. Um, you know, that's a problem because they will, they will bully each other for food. They'll bully each other for, for basking areas. They'll bully each other for moisture, humidity. 
you know, anything like that, they'll, they'll move one. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to realize these animals live in very micro uh, habitats. For instance, like in, their, in their, uh, the tubes that are in their cage, you know, the bottom of the tube is going to have more humidity in it because if you have a moist substrate, you know, it's going to release the humidity into the tube. The top of the tube is going to be drier. So if these animals need, um, if one of the tokes needs a lot of humidity um, to shed its skin, you know, they're going to probably go down towards the bottom of the tube during the daytime, you know, when they're hiding to absorb that moisture. And uh-huh. if you have the other one, if you have the other one and he's trying to shed and it goes down to the tube, it might not let the other one get into the prime spot for the humidity. I mean, these are little okay. tiny things that you need to look at with these tokes. I mean, they're, they're, they live in microhabitats, and there's very minute differences in temperature gradients and humidities and things like that, that one toke can push the other one out of the way, and to you it doesn't look like anything. But to that other toke, boy, it means a lot. You know, so right. I always try to separate them. I try to keep them by themselves. Uh, until they become more established, uh, even if they've been in captivity, you know, with, with another uh, breeder or keeper. And I've bought tokes from other breeders in this country and uh, all that. Mm-hmm. So, and, and even then, I still try to isolate them. So uh, that, that's one, you know, if, if you can afford to separate them, you know, I, I might go that route um, okay. or try to see what sexes they are. If they're two females and they're hanging out together and you think that they're going to be getting along, you could probably keep them together for a while, but always keep an eye out for fighting because females can fight, you know, just like the males can. So it's a personality okay. thing, too. You know, all, all these animals have different personalities, and some of them just don't want to be in a cage with another one, and that's it. You know, they're going to kill it. Mm-hmm. So or they're going to they're bully it to death till it dies. You know, bite off the tail, bite off a foot, or bite off a toe. You know, so you got to watch for all that stuff with your toe gaze. And um, I know you're talking, or oh, absolutely, thank you. And I know you were talking earlier about how they live in large groups, and I have observed that uh, in various situations. But also, a lot of the people on the forums they they maintain that they're solitary animals. I find that very difficult to believe after getting to know mine, because she seems to very much want to socialize, and I'm obviously not adequate, even though she's very tame to me. But I think she she would like to meet other lizards, and I'd like to breed her someday. But I wondered if. Yeah. You know, just based on what I know about her, is it is it okay to keep? Do you think two females get any kind of like, you know, extra benefit from just being together? Because at least their life isn't so uh, unstimulating. You know, just just being yeah, in a yeah, cage, I, I, vacuous I, I, environment. I can, I can see where you're coming from. Um, you know, like I said, if they're not going to bully each other and they're not fighting, then I don't really see a problem keeping two females together. But my personal preference is to keep them separated. And if I'm going to, you know, get them into a, a family group, it's going to be their own group. It's going to be their own, you know, male uh, and, and their siblings, you know. And um, I, I'm not going to have them with another female or put two males. You know, you never put two males together. That's kind of way right. that I do it. Now, if you have a really, really large terrarium, I know there's people um, have posted pictures. They have giant terrariums, and they'll have more than uh, two tokes in there. You know, they'll have a male and a couple females in there. And as long as the animals all have their areas where they can escape to and get their own privacy, it seems to work out for them. Um, it's not something I've done in captivity, but uh, other people have had success with it. But, again, you know, you always want to watch for, for, for bullying with these animals because they, be, uh, they can be pretty tough. One day you look in there and your tokes look great. The next day you, you walk in and, and it's like that female, you know, she bit a chunk out of the male's back and just broke his spine and just ruined, you know, it was it, done. Oh and this is, a big, this is a big male. I mean, it's, I still can't believe it. But uh, so you, wow. you always have to watch them. You always have to watch them. Even when you have pairs, you know, even when they're bonded, you, you still have to keep an eye on them, you know, just to make sure that everybody's getting along and uh, there hasn't been a little divorce occurring somewhere, you know. You got to keep an eye on those guys. 
but in the in the wild, you know, from what I've seen, um, you know, the 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 my feeling is, um, and, and again, I don't know everything about toke geckos, but my feeling is, in, in the in a wild situation, you have a, a pair, you know, they they bond up and they start producing eggs, and then you have the babies hatching out, and they're hanging out in the area, you know, they're they're still running back to mom and dad, you know, when they're younger for protection. Um, they're still living in the area. And, uh, so I think they kind of just, you know, hang out and, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example of that is, is some of the pattern lists that come into this country. Uh, you know, a shipment will come in and there'll be, you know, four or five, six pattern lists in the shipment. And you'll notice like, uh, they'll have, you know, they're all similar. I mean, sometimes they'll come in with, you know, you know, yellow feet or, or yellow elbows and any, you just suspect, you know, if you ran some genetic testing on them, they're probably related, you know, and they were probably mm-hmm. captured in an area, in, you know, uh, in a family group would be my guess, or in an area where they've, you know, they're all semi-related or related. So, do they include or do they just living close together? They're, they're living close together, you know. I mean, oh, okay. you're going to have the, the mom and dad that are going to be together with, their, with the babies because they're going to protect the babies, and the babies aren't going to go far from mom and dad. They're not going to go wandering off anyplace. I mean, that's their protection. Right. You know, but as they get they bigger, the dad's going to run. Yeah, exactly. But as they get bigger, the dad's going to run the males off. He doesn't want those males mm-hmm. around competing with him, you know. So he'll, I mean, he'll kill his own males. He's going to run those off. And, uh, but the females, you know, hanging around the area, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Mm-hmm. So, but just keep That's an eye right. on the bullying. Yeah. Is there anything well, else? Uh, I could go on and on. I'm probably taking up too much time. Um, no, you, but, uh, you're, you're fine. you know, hey, we're here for two hours, so you can uh, you can ask anything you want. I don't care. <laughs> it's awesome. Well, I'm very I mean, excited that this is going on. I found out about it on your Facebook page, by the way. Thank you for the link. If it weren't for that, I wouldn't have known this was happening. So. Um, yeah. Well, you're welcome. You know, uh, any, and, uh, anybody well, cool. that that has anybody that has you know, one thing I want to say, you know, to the people that are listening, uh, you know, I have to be be honest about something. I've been really hard to get a hold of, and I know there's been a lot of people contacting me, you know, looking for pictures and wanting to buy tokes from me, and I've just had an extremely crazy year, and I just haven't had the time to, to sit down and, and pull the animals out and photograph them and do all the stuff mm-hmm. that it takes to, to, to advertise the toke geckos. And I know there's, you know, some people are upset. Hey, you know, you've been telling me you're going to do this for months and you haven't got to it, and, and I, I, it, I, I'm totally guilty. I admit it, but my life has been absolutely crazy. I, I, you know, work a full-time job. I'm in the news business, and which means they can call me at any time of the day or night to go out and cover whatever news story is going on, and it gets stressful, and sometimes you get home, and, you know, I go out, and the, the tokes are like my relief. You know, I can go into the toke building, and I don't bring a phone, and I'm just, it's quiet in there, and I can work with my animals, and I'm relieves my stress, and then I can go get a good night's sleep. So a lot of times, I just turn everything off, and you know, you just got to get away from it all with the with the crazy lifestyle that I have. So I do apologize if there's anybody out there listening and they're cussing me right now saying, gosh darn it, you're supposed <laughs> to give me some pictures a while ago. I sincerely apologize. And I'm working really hard to make a big change this coming up year. So I don't want to get too much into it, but um, I'm, I'm working on something that, that I think we can take the Toke business to another level and and you know, make them, uh, make them available to people more readily and, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, basically, cool. you know, it, it's called cutting a job out is what it's called. So, cause I've got, I've got a, a few other interests that I do. Um, you know, I do the manatee tours where we're getting that business kicked off. 
Um, so I think that and, and a few other things that I do on the side, you know, I can, you know, be able to spend a lot more time with the tokes and, and taking care of all the people that, uh, you know, appreciate my animals and, and want to get one and want to get into breeding them and all that kind of stuff where we can help people out more and, and um, you know, be be more responsive to the public. And I, and I admit, you know, I've been I've been terrible in, in that aspect, and I, and I do apologize to everybody. So I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> No problem, Jackie. Call her. If you have any other questions, feel free. It's, uh, it's what we're here for. Well, um, is there any, are there any cons to having a fat gecko? Because <laughs> I think that mine is pretty, my, my, the one I've had for four years, she's, she reached, she goes out in the summertime because I'm in Massachusetts and I don't use AC in the summer, so it's like 80 degrees in uh, my yeah. apartment. So every year I let her cruise around for two months around the apartment. And she yeah. loves that. So I, I put out Free range crickets for her. Like, and like, oh, like, I get a cricket keep and I leave the lid off. And then she hunts out of that. She figured it out. And this, this girl, she remembers this after a year. I mean, the long term memory of these animals is really amazing to me. Um, she, she looked, I keep on top of the record player, and she was back there before I even put the box out. And she's like, where are the bugs? So, anyways, in short, she just really got fat off free range crickets, like free choice crickets. She just ate as much as she wanted to. And I don't know. Is there are there is there anything I should be worried about? I don't want to like shorten her life or anything. Do they have the same you know, diseases that humans can get from? Yeah, yeah, they do. Like, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, they do. I mean, I'm not bummer. a big. You know, my geckos. We, I keep them kind of kind of lean and mean. I mean, I don't. You know, um, they don't have big giant fat wrinkles on their tails like I see you know, other people have. And, oh God, and all she doesn't wrinkles on her tail. So she has it on her belly. Like I see, like if she turns her body to one side. She gets like she has like a like a wrinkles on her belly and her legs look fatty. It's kind yeah, of funny, you, you, but you, I want her to be healthy. Yeah, you might, yeah, might want to you know have her drop a little bit of weight. You don't want them to be real you know heavy. I, to me, I don't think that's a great thing to see a big fat toke that can barely walk. You know, you it, oh, to yeah, me, I think it does agile. shorten. The, <laughs> she what? She she's very very agile. I just maybe okay. I should send a picture or something. I just it's hard for me to evaluate the weight, and you see a lot of different responses. You know, if I ask on the forums, I would get ten different answers. So, it'd be nice to have the pain of an expert. But I also yeah. I do have intent to breed her at some point, like maybe next season, next winter. So should I have her yeah, a little heavier for that? Well, if she's already heavy, then you're probably in good shape with the breeding. Shoot me a picture, and and I'll I'll tell you because what's fat to one person, you know, what I think is fat on a toke gecko uh, isn't fat to somebody else. So shoot shoot me a, a picture and, and I'll tell you. But yeah, when you're when you're getting ready to breed them, you you do want to uh, have have the animals to have some weight on them. I mean, toke geckos, you can put a pair together, um, pull the male out, and they'll lay eggs for months afterwards, and they'll lay fertile oh, eggs wow. for months afterwards. Yeah, so you really you know having some extra weight on it when you're going to breed it, I don't I don't think that's a problem. But just having it as a pet and getting it super fat because it looks cool probably isn't. <laughs> <a good> <laughs> so you she know. just I mean, had too good of a summer. That's the only there problem. There you go. <laughs> but I bet, she, I bet she liked hunting those crickets. <laughs> that's, yeah, she that's loves awesome. to run around the house. She likes the uh, – it, it's like her natural environment, really, because that's what they do, I think, you know, in their native lands. They just live in people's houses, I think. So I figure Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. Pretty natural for her. some places, the toke geckos are considered uh, good luck to have inside your home, um, from I like them inside my home. The other ones tamed yeah. down, they can go out in the summer too, but they got to be tamed first because I'm not going to be chasing around wild geckos on my wall. It's hard enough to get a tame gecko off your wall. But <laughs> you know, let me tell you something. I had a gecko. This girl, gosh, she drives me crazy. 
she knew my place or, or actually knows my place inside, and she knows every crack and crevice. She knows how to get away. She just It's almost like she dares me to try to catch her. She literally ran down the hallway um, attached to the ceiling, ran down the ceiling hallway, and then took off behind my refrigerator. I couldn't believe it. I, was like, oh my. I mean, you can't, you know, how you, you, guys, you can't catch something like that. There's, you can't catch you know, with that, though. Pardon me? They're, they're the good. <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 they're very intelligent animals. Um, that's why I'm very careful not to get one loose in my gecko building. I, I have one in there right now that eats the crickets that gets loose. And he, uh, you know, because it'd be, if, if, if you have geckos loose in your building, for, for me, it would be hard to move all the shelves and try to catch them. It's just impossible. Um, so when I do have one loose, I go out there at 2 in the morning and sneak in there with my red, red, head, red headlamp on and search mm-hmm. around. And I usually, usually catch them that way, or I set up a PVC tube in the corner, and they'll crawl inside of it to hide, and I'll grab them that way. But I do have one that's loose in there that eats the crickets, and he just, um, he could care less about me. He's not, he want, when the males start barking, he's a male. He'll go over to their cages and sit down in the cages like you know, he's like he's you know threatening them like hey you know I'm, I'm, I'm the I'm the boss here you know don't you don't you be in there barking you let me get in that cage you must love that yeah it, it's awesome it's awesome but they're they are so smart like you were saying very smart animals um, and they do remember their surroundings they know where to go to hide they know where the food is and they're just yeah they're they're they know individual smart people for sure he doesn't um, act, I, he acts every treats everybody differently. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, like I was telling, saying before, you know, I, I, I think some of my geckos know me. I mean, they come in, you know, when I go in there, they'll come out and watch me and see what I'm doing, and you know, I'll open up their cages and they just kind of look at me. Okay, what are you up to? But yeah, yeah, I, 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 I could see where they could uh, recognize individuals. Absolutely, absolutely. So you're gonna try to breed oh. some. Well, yeah, I I want to breed her, but I'm I'm a little afraid too because I just I like her so much, and I know I've heard the you know they can be violent sometimes they don't like each other, and I'm the only thing I'm nervous about is the introduction, like how should I, and also picking the right male because as you said, the individual personalities have to mesh just like any animal who are living who are living together, and um, I don't I just, I wish there was like a gecko personal site. I need because I, I know her personality type. And I, I need to find somebody that's compatible. So I don't know. What do you recommend yeah. for her safety? Echomatch.com. Um, seriously. Yeah, <laughs> it was ridiculous. Go. But I'm so worried about her. She's special. <laughs> I don't want her to get hurt. You know, anytime you take a chance in, in, introducing a toke gecko to another one, you, you know, it, it's always a risk. There's always a risk involved. But, yeah. you know, if you get a good, healthy toke gecko, you know, you get a nice male, um, you know, put them in their terrarium. You know, what I would do is set the terrariums, you know, side by side for a while. See if the male calls to her. He may be calling. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, and, and see how she reacts to it. And see, you know, you'll go in there at night and see if they're looking at each other. I mean, see if they're out, you know, on the opposite sides of the glass checking each other out. And, uh, you know, really look for that mating call and see how she uh-huh. reacts to it. I mean, I know when, I, when I've done that in the past, you know, I'll have a male who will start calling. And the females will come right out. And they're jump on the glass. They're looking, looking, you know. So you know that's probably going to work. Um, but I've had other ones where I've I've actually introduced them, and and one will be they wag their tails back and forth. I mean they're both doing that, wagging their tails and they moving around tails? the cage. What does it oh, mean? Oh yeah, they, they 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 move their tails back and forth. It's the coolest thing. I've got some video of it, and they, they move it back mean, and forth. What does it mean? Oh, what that what I, the reason I think they do that is for self defense. It's kind of like a war. 
You know, I, I, I think them that do, not, I've seen her do it when she's hunting, too. That's the only time I've seen her wiggle her tail is if she's hunting something. So I well, wondered. In, in, that, in that case, it would seem to me that it would be a, a distraction to the insect where the insect's oh. paying attention to the tail while the head comes around and grabs it. That's, that, that's what it would mean to me. Um, but I as far see. as putting them together, um, I think that they, the reason, that, and this is just a personal opinion, the reason that they're wagging their tails back and forth is, is if this other lizard in their cage is going to be aggressive to them, that it's going to go after the tail and not the head. You see what I'm saying? Oh, of I mean, cause, right. Because they don't know each other. You know, he does. You know, you put a pair in there thinking, hey, you know, I don't know if this one's, I don't know what's in, what the intentions are. So, you know, you, mm-hmm. they move their tails back and forth, and that's what I, that's personally what I think they're doing. They're just kind of throwing the other one off. So maybe if this isn't a breeding count, encounter, they're going to lose their tail and not lose their life. You know, if they get in there. Oh, that, right. They're right of that. Yeah. So that's that's you know that'd be my observation on the on the whole thing, but yeah, just put get two cages, put them side by side, see what happens, see if they they bark or or um, you know have any kind of attraction to each other. I mean, if the male starts calling and you never see the female come out, she just might not be interested in them, you know. Okay. But real do realize too when you're getting into tokes and you start breeding them, you know you're gonna have to get cages and you know it it can turn into uh, you know you can I'm turn a bedroom head. into a. And it, yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, exactly. Feeding them and and you know taking up space in your apartment and all that kind of stuff. Um, oh, that so sounds that's, wonderful. I love these. I just want my. Whole, I'll live in a rainforest with them. It just sounds like fun. But um, yeah, that's not a problem. But yes, I see what you mean about having the enclosures. And I, I you were talking about tubs earlier. I know that's like it's kind of an easy thing to do if you're breeding to just put the babies in tubs. Because I mean, what are you going to do? Is you can't buy like fifteen zoo meds. Which I have one well, of those what, also. What you, what you do, yeah, I wouldn't put babies in tubs. What you do is, is uh, you know, what I do is I leave the babies with their parents. Now, if I decide to pull some out, like if we're going to a show and I want to take some smaller tokes with me, um, I when I come back, they go in individual tanks. They, I, I have, uh, that's where I use the small exoterras. Um, okay, you know, the little, the, little the, the smaller ones, I, I'll put a PVC, a small PVC tube in there. You know, they have their water bowl, blah, blah, blah. And, and I'll put them in there, and that's where they're going to, you know, they're going to uh, stay until they get larger. So I do separate them out, you know, um, after the shows like that. So I and I, I would never put them in a tub. I, I just wouldn't put babies in there. I just wouldn't do it. You know, you're yeah, better off using the small exoterras, and they're, and they're pretty cheap, you know. And that's something you can hold them in for a short period of time until you sell the animal or whatever. So, mm-hmm. But yeah, do do realize, you know, you start breeding them, you're going to get a lot of tanks. You know, it starts. Uh, you know, you're going to be ordering a lot of crickets. It can become expensive. You know, you get an order of 6,000 crickets, and they're sitting in your living room chirping all night, which doesn't bother me. But then they start stinking, and it's like, oh, my God, this is yeah, crazy. Yeah, the crickets are stinky. That's, you know, that's all she'll eat. I've tried the roaches, the mealworms. She'll only eat the superworms, which I know they aren't nutritious anyway, so I don't feed her a ton of those. But she thinks I'm the coolest person if I put those on the tongue. On the tongue. Because then they wriggle around, yeah. and then she eats them, and she gets very excited. But, but I could, I, like you said, you could leave them in there for ten years, and they're not going to eat them because they're not moving. So I have to do crickets, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, yeah. I was also thinking, since I don't want, I, I'm not going to have like a gecko breeding facility, is to just have the man in with her for a few, you know, just for a little bit, and then take him out to just limit. Because you know, and then he could have his own enclosure. Because I don't want her to breed her to death, anyways. Um, yeah. So yeah. Is, that, is that feasible? That's a good idea. Yeah, that's very feasible. Yep. And if she gets becomes gravid, she'll you know she's going to lay eggs for 
you know, several months afterwards, um, towards the end of her egg laying, the eggs won't be fertile anymore, but uh, she'll still lay them out. And then you can give the give her a break. And, and you know, you got to make sure, you know, here's another thing that I didn't mention. Um, you know, you put the uh, Rapashi, we use the D3 um, calcium in little mm. glass bowls, and we keep it in, in all the tanks with females. And uh, so if they need extra calcium, they can go down and, and munch on it. Um, They'll actually like the calcium powder on their own? Yeah, he, yeah they will. And and that's a big problem um, with tokes, and I'm glad you brought that up because uh, a lot of people have, have put tokes together and they lose the females because of uh, calcium deficiencies because um, they're pumping out eggs so much. Uh, so you really have oh, to, you know, when you're, yeah, when you're breeding them, you really have to pay attention to the. They have to get the prime diet, um, you know, the the nutrient load that Rupashi has. That's another thing that you can feed to your insects before your uh, before you feed them to the uh, tokes. Um, you really want oh, to make sure burger. they get the The bug burger is, is not really, um, no. Bug burger is for the bugs. It, it, it doesn't load up the, the, um, the, the bugs with nutrition. So, uh, you know, it, oh. when I first got into using bug burger, I thought it did, but it doesn't. It doesn't, uh, it's, it, it'll keep your bugs alive and it's easy to feed and, and all that kind of stuff. But you want to get the nutrient, the nu- I, I don't remember the correct term for it, but they have a nutrient load product um, that's like a bug burger. Uh, but mm-hmm. it, it's full of nutrients. It's nutrient dense um, to to really load up the the crickets right before you feed them. You know, right before you feed the crickets to your toke, so they get the maximum diet. Uh, but you really got to watch. I'm so glad you told me that. That's yeah, and always right always dust. You know, now here's another thing. I don't use special lighting in my building, um, but I always dust my 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 crickets with uh, the D3. And you know, my tokes are doing fine for years, and you know, so they, they haven't had any really calcium issues or anything like that. So, but okay, yeah, keep yeah I've heard mixed things about the D3. I have D3 and non-D3, and I just alternate them because I've heard so many different things. I thought I'll just do half of each, and then hopefully yeah. that will be sufficient. Yeah. The, uh, the, 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 yeah. There, there, and there are different, you know, various people have had various, you know, they have various opinions on the stuff. And like I said, you know, the, the toke, you know, breeding, um, the whole group of, of people that are breeding tokes, this is really a, a, you know, even though it's been going on for, for some guys have been in, in it for, you know, over 10 years, it's still in its, in its you know, infancy stage and people are still learning. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's why, you know, when I come on uh, on this show, I don't sit here and pretend I'm the, you know, I'm the, you know, I'm the toke gecko king. I know everything about tokes. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. I, I learn something new every day. And a lot of times I'm learning stuff from people that are, that are um, just keeping one or two tokes, and they give you great ideas. And, you know, so there's no one toke gecko god person out there that knows everything. You know, it's, you really have to keep an open mind and, um, you know, see what other people are having results with and, um, you know, go go with what, what's working with for other people, and, and you'll you'll find your way with the tokes. You know, hopefully uh, one of these days we'll get it all figured out, but it's still really in its infancy with, with diets and all that stuff and, and maintenance and you know, things are changing and, you know, some people use foggers in their tanks and other people like myself, I don't use anything because we have a lot of humidity and I've had people in Florida, you know, at the shows come up to me and say, yeah, look at this big fogger I just bought from my toke. And it's like, you know, you probably don't need that down here. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but you, but you, I guess you can try it. You know, it all depends on, on the humidity in your house, what your air conditioner is, you know, how much humidity it's sucking out of your house down here. Um, cause that can mm-hmm. cause a problem, you know, if you, if you're keeping your house real cool and it's pulling all that humidity out, but, you know, so you just have to, you know, kind of wing it and, and just see what works, see what works for you. You know? 
but thank I you so um, much. Yeah, you're welcome. But I one you know one thing I, I say is you know don't ever go on one person's opinion when it comes mm-hmm. to these animals. You know, always get a variety of opinions and and then work with your animal and see what works for you. Because you know we mm-hmm. have people in this country that are diff- breeding tokes in all different areas of the country, and in all those areas have different uh, weather patterns. You know, they oh, have different gosh, amounts yeah. of humidity. You know, some people are are you know up up where you guys are up in New Hampshire and and, and New England. You know, they're heating oh, their houses stuff. with yeah. wood stoves that are sucking all the humidity out of the house, and the tokes are drying up, and you're killing them. You know, so then that, that really is a problem. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's so, really difficult. And and then you have people in Las Vegas. You know, they're they're they, they're the same way. They have major problems keeping humidity in their cages. So they're gonna you know where one person is using one of those foggers, you know, a, a person in another part of the country, you know, shouldn't do that. But you'll have people mm-hmm. that say, oh, you must use a fogger on these tokes, or you have to miss their cage every day because they only drink yeah. water off the wall. And, and that's not true. My tokes, I, I very rarely missed them. Um, in the summertime, I do because I do have an air conditioner in there. But uh, mm-hmm. I very rarely miss them. They come right down to drink the water and, and whatever. And if I see one that maybe is getting a little dry skin, I might miss them a little bit. But we have high humidity, so it's not a problem for me down here. You know, mm-hmm. other areas, yeah, you should miss the cage just to keep the humidity levels up and all that. And they, of course, you know, they do, they will come out and drink off the glass. I'm not saying not to, to do that, but um, mm-hmm. down here, I don't need to. It's just not something that I'm, I, that I require or that my animals require because of the high humidity. So, but anyways, yeah, you're, you're absolutely welcome. And you're welcome to shoot me an email. Sometimes I'm uh, hard to get a hold of, but I will get back to you within a couple of days. <laughs> I understand. It was a treat. Thank, thank you so much for your help. You're thank welcome. You Thanks for calling in. Bye-bye. All right, now. All right, cool. We have another caller. You want to take one more caller, Jack, and then we'll get into um, uh, some breeding tips and stuff like that? Sure, sure. Okay. All right, caller from the 772 area code. You're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Howdy, Jack. It's Caleb. Caleb, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. <laughs> Caleb is the one that that was just down here a little while ago, going through my animals and uh, and and grabbing the tokes out and and you know when we were at the Daytona show, he's pulling them out of their tubs and handling them and taming them down real fast and and tokey, Caleb, talk a little bit about that. You know, tell us about how you tame those guys down because he does a fantastic job. What what's the secret to that, Caleb? The secret is learning to how to read the tokey. I mean, once you learn how to read the gecko, I. I just pull them out and just let them bite me if they bite me and just watch them. You know, once you read, learn to read them, they learn to read you and you just keep doing it, keep doing it. And they calm down and they just, they learn to enjoy just chilling with you. I mean, people have seen me at expos and I've got my tame ones that'll just, I'll walk around the expo and they'll be chilling on my shoulder or whatever. They're just completely chilled. The most amazing animals ever <laughs> they, are, they are amazing and and, and the thing is, though, that when, when when he goes in and grabs when he goes to pick up the tokes he doesn't you know reach in and grab them and put that death grip on them you know where the tokes freaking out and thinking it's going to get eaten you know he reaches in and grabs them gently you know so right. they're almost to the point where they can you know escape from them and that's why he makes me so nervous when he messes with my animals <laughs> yeah <laughs> but being able so, to read them, I can see when they're going to jump, you know, yeah. and be able to ca- first see how they're jumping and be able to catch them and stuff. It's, I don't know. Just took yeah. time handling them and getting yeah. to know the animal. Yeah. 
So, so Caleb, listen, that uh, video that we shot, and, and, I, and Caleb was taking a bunch of pictures of the animals and stuff, um, I just downloaded it into the computer tonight. So I will oh, cool. be, I've, got a couple other, I've got a couple other videos I need to uh, work with, um, get them edited, and then we're going to work on that one, and we'll get it up on YouTube so people can uh, check out the animals. And, you know, we have some T-plus or T-positive, uh, we think they're T-positive albinos. They're just gorgeous animals. And uh, so Caleb they really pulled some of those out. Yeah, he was pulling some of those out, checking them out, uh, going through my leucistic colony, um, checking those guys out. And, and Caleb, what, listen, what's your opinion on the leucistics? You know, like like we were talking, you know, I think maybe the the, the granites have something to do with it because um, some of them come in with a lot of pattern to them, and eventually the pattern, you know, kind of just morphs away. I mean, what's your opinion on all that stuff? Uh, I don't personally have anything but one granite. Um, in my collection so far, but it's it's definitely showing that they're connected somehow because a lot of granites will show low patches of white and some will even turn to high white animals later on in life. And, I mean, the Tokay horde had an all-white animal hatch that later grew the spots and everything afterwards. Like, so... I, I haven't. I don't think there's any true leucistics out there. I think it's all just all a combined gene somehow that we haven't been able to figure out and unlock the secrets of. You know, I I, I, I kind of agree with that. I mean, I, I know we've talked about it before. I mean, I, that's there's something about those granites, and, and there's something you know. I agree with you. There's, there's there's something there. I don't know what it is. Like I like I say, I'm no genetics expert or anything like that, but it seems like there's something to it all. Yeah. So, and listen, talk about your super uh, your super red breeding project. You know, tell the audience okay. about that. I think it's I think it's awesome. It's um, uh, what is it a, a co dominant? Is that what you're saying? Yes, it's looking to be a co dominant gene. I'm one of two people, I believe, that I know of besides the original producer of the Tokay horse that has produced any. And basically, my first season, I paired my male with a normal female, and. 50% of the offspring that I only produced four that season and two of them ended up turning into super red over time. And two of them were completely normal. Looking. So it's, it's looking to be a co-dominant. There's still, it's going to take some time to completely see wh- what can happen. If you, to see if there is a true super form at this point, I don't believe there is based on, upon what um, the okay horde has done with the gene. Um, I think that if there was a super form, he would have seen it by now. Yeah. Um, I actually just paired last this last week. I paired up the one of the ones I produced last season, positive albino male. So I'm very excited to see what can happen with that pairing this yeah. next season. You want me to tell you what will happen? <laughs> <laughs> a, a lot of normals and. I mean, three yeah. years down the road, it'd be really nice to see. Hopefully we can get an albino super red. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. You know, I, I got to tell you guys, so one, one, uh, a gentleman that I know, he worked for a long time with leucistics and, and just bred them and bred them and bred them. And he's telling me, he goes, oh, those darn things. He goes, all I ever got was normals for 10 years in a row. He goes, I'll never work with them again. You know? So I don't know what the secret to, to producing those guys is, but uh, it's, 
yeah. it's crazy. The toke, the whole Tokay genetics is is just um, you know, I mean, it's just it's just nuts. I mean, you know, animals morphing and you know, three years later, and you know, you just, I mean, and that, here's another thing: as, as far as uh, money goes, and you know, people getting into Tokays. Oh, you know, we're gonna breed Tokay gecko morphs, so we're gonna make a ton of money, and you know, you spend a lot of money setting up your. I mean, I got a, so much money tied up in the in my building, and you know, everything it took to put in there, and the cages, and the animals that I have, and all that stuff. And you know, a lot of times you just get normal animals, and um, you know, that doesn't pay the bills. You know, so. Um, it's not like you get a pair of calicos and throw them together and you're going to be producing calicos. It just doesn't work that way. And if you produce nope. all normals and it takes them three years to morph into a calico, well, then are you going to hang out of these tokays for three years until they turn into a calico and then sell it for a high dollar? You know, because you, by the time you do that, you, you've already spent more than that taking care of the animal. You know, so yeah. it's not like uh, the tokays are, are like the Burmese pythons. Um, you know, I'll tell you a, a quick story. When I was importing from Africa, I got in a caramel ball python. This is a really great story. My buddy over there, uh, he he barely speaks. I mean, I can barely even know. When I went over, I went over there to visit him um, in 1999 and, and during Y2K, and, and I spent my birthday over there on January 1st. And so this guy could barely, you know, I barely could understand him. So he sent me a, a shipment from, from uh, came in from Benin. And, uh, so I'm unpacking, I'm in my reptile, I had a little reptile shop, and I'm unpacking the shipment and looking through the animals, and, and I hit the, the answering machine, and um, it's, it's my buddy from Africa, and he goes, Sir Jack, Sir Jack, Albino, Albino, and, he, and then, then I couldn't understand anything else he said, and I look over at my wife, <laughs> and I go, there's a freaking albino in here, oh my God, so we started ripping those things apart, it was in the last crate. It was in the very bottom. The last crate, I opened it up, and it was a caramel. And this is like one of the first caramels ever imported into the United States. And I just, I mean, I called up my guy at U.S. Fish and Wildlife. I said, dude, I got a caramel albino python. He goes, you did not. He goes, I didn't see it. I said, I didn't know it was in there either. And he goes, oh, my God. So, anyways, make a long story short, I sold it to, to uh, Dan and Colette Sutherland. And I think they um, they did quite well with that animal. And I think it really uh, it really helped boost up the whole bite all python breeding thing and you know back in the day this back in like 95 or 96 mm-hmm. when i got it in and i held on to it for a couple of years and then i just you know just said you know i'm going to sell it to somebody that, that, that that's going to do something uh fantastic with it and those two did i had a lot of people bidding on it and wanted it and i just i wanted it to go to the right person and dan and and colette kept calling me and you know it, it was literally it took a couple of years before i sold it I just didn't want to sell it to anybody, and they just uh, they just seemed like the right fit for the animal. And gosh darn, you know, I, I to they to this day, you know, I don't regret selling them that animal and, and seeing them successful. It just it it makes me feel like, hey, you know what? I was part of that ball python stuff. It's awesome, you know. But the story of that animal coming in and not even noticing the shipment is just, you know, it's amazing. It was it was a, a day I'll never forget. I can tell you that right now. So, anyways, go ahead. Yeah. It's it's definitely exciting to see the different tokay morphs, and I hope something like that can really spark the tokay hobby. <laughs> yeah, well, once you know, once somebody actually figures all this stuff out, and you know, more people have success in producing these morphs, um, you know, the, the patternless or everybody's been really successful with the patternless. Uh, but once people become more, you know, successful with the calicos and the lucies and all that stuff. I think you're going to see the tokay industry really uh, get a lot bigger. 
and even without the morphs, just the regular tokays, it's a growing it's it's a growing industry that and, and I'm not talking about the kid going to the pet shop and mom has twenty dollars in her pocket and buys a uh, imported tokay gecko. I'm talking about the industry is growing um, for people that want tokays. They they love them. They they want to have a terrarium in their living room. They want to hear these males barking at night. You know they they want these animals and they want good healthy you know captive bred stuff. So. I, I see, you know, right now we're in the infancy of the tokay breeding uh, phenomenon, and I see it growing, you know, over the next decade or two. I, I think it's going to be, you know, if, if I was a young guy, if I was Caleb's age, I would, geez, I'd be so excited right now. I would be very excited to be, to, to, to be in the very beginning of this tokay revolution is what I call it. Because um, it's, 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 seriously, it's coming. It's coming. I mean, people are getting excited about them. I, I know there's ball python breeders that are starting to pick them up and, and get into them. Um, it's it's going to be a really growing industry, and there's just so many people that have a, a fascination with the tokay geckos. You know, even if, even if they have mean ones. I mean, I've had people contact me and say, I don't care what kind of temperament. I just want a tokay. They're beautiful. You know, they just love the beauty of the animals and ting and grunting yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So they're awesome. They're awesome. So anyways, they really are. Yeah. They really so, are great species. What else are you working with? You, you don't have much right now, Caleb? Um, right now my main project is the super red patternless. I'm working on a, a bettering my patternless line through through crossing to choice normals at the moment. And um I've got a granite project that seems to be looking promising. I'm getting a lot of babies with black spots that seem to be getting darker, but it's still a little too early to tell for sure what's happening exactly. And then uh, with you, I'm hoping that these T-plus albino-looking animals proven out. Yeah, I hope so. You know, I, I looked at the female the other day, or it was actually in the evening, and uh, she was out, and I... I think she's gravid. I'm not 100% sure, but, man, she looks like she's putting on a lot of weight. So if she gets eggs, I'm going to be just going crazy. It is so exciting. exciting. Yeah. You know, one thing I want to throw out to the the people that are listening, you know, a lot of times, you know, we have animals that we're working with that we don't really – um, we don't really talk about them, and this goes with other breeders too. You know, we don't really put pictures. I mean, before when I'd get animals in, I'd be throwing pictures on Facebook. Oh, look at this, so awesome, and all that kind of stuff. But what it does is it blows up your message box with, "I want to get one of those." You know, I want to, I want to buy one of those things. And it's like it's going to be years before you're ever going to be able to buy one. You know, we're trying to figure out the breeding of them, so we're not going to sell off these animals that we're getting for for breeders. So we kind of cut back on on publishing you know so many photographs of the animals that we're getting in just because it creates a you know a, a frenzy of people that want to get into it and buy them and and they're just not really available as captive bred animals you know at this time i mean you know imports yeah but captive bred they're just not really um commercially available and you know so when you see pictures posted you know that that's that's why we've cut back a lot on, on posting pictures just so people don't think that, that we're producing all these animals we're trying to produce them we're working with them but you know until we have uh some really su- big success we're we're holding back on stuff so anyways so caleb what's yeah, all that noise in the background is there anything uh, else you have caleb for us <laughs> I, I'm really focusing on tokays at this time. I cut back my other projects as I made the move to New York City recently. So I, I just am limited on space. So my focus is really tokays. 
That's awesome, bro. That's awesome. Yeah. So, listen, I'll, I'll give you a call in, uh, in a month and let you know what's going on if I get eggs. <laughs> All right. Talk to it, Jack. Nice. All right, Caleb. Hey, thanks, thanks for calling, Caleb. I'll talk to you later. All right, bye. All right, cool. Wow, it seems like you got uh, a lot of fans. I'm I'm actually seeing a lot of people uh, listening to the show and in the chat room. Um, good. I'm glad we did the show about tokes. Hey, Jack, you speak the language of the toke gecko. Let's let's talk about it. What's uh what's up with the mating calls and everything? <laughs> the I just they're they're just so cool. I you know I had this toke that uh it was it's a just a little tiny male and this thing I, I i was lucky enough to record record him barking but it was just the the weirdest it was like an immature voice of a toke and it was like real high pitched you know ur, ur. it was just something i never heard before from a toke and i was like what the heck is that so finally i was able to record it and uh it, it was just i mean you know just to have this little small toke barking already and already, you know, feeling his oats and coming into some kind of maturity there. It was, it was just, it was amazing. But the tokes, uh, they, you know, they do, um, you know, they'll, they'll bark uh, to attract females. Now I've had tokes in with females that are, that have an actual colony going. With, with, there we go. There you sound, go. Sound familiar? <laughs> go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt <laughs> no, that's all right. <laughs> so, anyways, um, but you know, I've had males that are that are in with a you know bonded females, and they have babies in there, and eggs, and everything else, and they still call. So, um, it's it just it's it just the, the 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 interaction of the animals of them calling. You know, one male calls, then you'll hear another one calling, and you wonder if it's competition for them, saying, "Hey, stay out of my area." You know, you shouldn't be able to hear me. You should be far further away, or or whatever. It's just a, you know, it's just something amazing. But it's the males that do all the calling. Um, the females do, you know, they'll grunt and 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 bark at you and stuff like that. But you're not going to hear any mating calls out of the females or or anything. It's you know, generally the males that, that do all the barking. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's like I was telling that one young lady that you know, if she wants to try to breed them, put put the two tanks side by side and see if the male barks. You know, see if he likes the smell of that female. They know the females there. They smell it. You know, and they'll see it at night mm-hmm. and uh, see if. See if there's any kind of interaction between them, but um, you know, just their social behavior. You know, with a lizard, you know, it's just it's just amazing. You know, you guys are talking about that video. The one comes out and protects the other toke from the snake. It's just, you know, how many other lizards do that? You know, I know. Yeah, it's really it's, just, it's really incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a little little family units going on there. So, anyways, what it's else? Just, you guys it's got just goes, it speaks to, it speaks to their intelligence. It speaks to how most animals are are viewed as just acting on instinct and not really thinking things through and having zero like actual emotion and consciousness. But in reality, they're, they're very conscious and they're very intelligent. Um, I mean, this is evident of that. I mean, I just, I just, I'm fascinated when I see stuff like that. Yeah. The, uh, you know, when I was uh, growing up, my dad used to tell me that he'd say, yeah, animals, you know, they don't, uh, they're not like us. They don't, they don't, uh, remember, they don't, you know, like you said, have a consciousness of what's going on. And geez, oh man, you, you work with animals and you know, that's not true. I mean, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I raised some, some sp- uh, spider monkeys at, at a facility, little babies, and they shipped them off to another facility. And I went to visit those animals came out of that cage and they jumped on top of me and they were holding on to me, crying, screaming, I mean, had their tails and everything, and I'm just holding on. To, I mean, I, I, I was at, I had tears in my eyes. You know, these animals, they love me. And, and they're just, it was Mo and Joe. 
and I was just holding on to him. It's all right, Mo and Joe. And then I had to put them back in the cage, and they didn't want to go back in. And it just, you know, they're screaming and showing their teeth. And it was the people at the place were freaking out, thinking I'm going to get attacked by my monkeys. And it's like, no, these guys, man, they love me. They just don't want me to go. So I had to go back and, you know, get them back in their cage and everything. So, yeah, they absolutely remember. I mean, geez, if you have a dog, you know that. You know, your dogs know exactly who you are, and they think. And, you know, they know when yeah. you're going to bed, and they know everything that's going on in your house. And, you know, the, the toe case, the same thing. You know, as I say, I walk in there, and they, they'll come out and look over and see what's going on. And, you know, they the one big male that I was telling you, going in there, cleaning the glass in his cage and all that stuff, you know, he's uh, he was totally cool with everything. He knows. He knows I'm not going to hurt him. He's not, uh, you know, he, he's, he's been to shows with us and all that stuff. So, yeah, they're they're all, you know, smart, smart animals. It's, it, it's just amazing. It is. All right, Jack. Well, we're coming towards the end of the show, but I'd like to give you a couple minutes to talk a little bit about like any any tips or anything special you'd like to leave the listeners with, um, maybe tips on breeding or anything like that that you think is uh, is something that would help people out there. You know, the the biggest thing I see is, you know, don't just take one person's advice when when it comes to tokens. I mean, you go on the forums and you see people. You know, yeah, I, you know, you see people post questions, and then you see other people come in there. Oh, how could you, you know, say that? Or you know, you see all these these little petty arguments on these forums of these little crybabies, and it's like, what? So, anyways, you know, don't, don't you guys know what I'm talking about? I mean, I'm oh, sure it happens. And, and you, yeah, I mean, you know, they get on there, and it's like uh, they have no life, and they're, you know, they have to make a big deal out of everything, or they got to be the king of everything, and. They're, you know, you, if it didn't come from me, then then you're getting the wrong advice and all that stuff. Never listen to one person. Um, you know, always try to get several different opinions from other people on, on uh, keeping your animals. Pay a lot of attention to where you live in the country, you know, like we talked about. Um, you know, do you, do you live in an area where it's, you know, you're running your heat all, all winter, you have a wood stove, your house is, you know, the humidity is 20 percent, and you're putting kettles on, on the stove trying to, you know, get the humidity going? In a case like that, you know, you really need to pay attention to the humidity of your animal's cage and, and maybe, you know, uh, get one of those humidifiers to blow inside there and, and, and get it moist. And maybe spray it a couple extra times a day and make sure your substrate's, you know, moistened all the time. Spray down the walls of the in, inside of the cage and give them extra, you know, drinking water available to them because, you know, it's getting sucked out of their system faster. Um, just pay attention to your animals. You know, uh too many people just they, they get the tokes they set them up in a little tank and throw throw them crickets and everything oh yeah, my toke is so cool and all that kind of stuff and then the next thing you know it's shriveled up and they're on a forum asking geez my toke isn't eating i wonder what's wrong with it and then you find out they bought an import and they never got it checked by a vet and now they can't afford to go to the vet and now their toke gecko is going to die you know don't buy them if yeah. you can't afford to take them to the vet if you can't keep them you know if you can't afford to take your animal to the vet and at least get the get it uh get their fecal matter checked for worms and things like that, um, then don't buy one, you know. And that's another thing. You know, captive tokes, just because, you know, I'm breeding toke geckos in captivity doesn't mean my toke geckos, you know, they can pick up parasites from, from their, their food sources. They can pick up parasites from the, the substrates that we put inside there. You know, um, it's something that you just need to check, you know, on a, on a uh, you know, twice a year maybe. You know, check your animals mm-hmm. and just see if you have anything going on. Um, you know, they, they even the captive stuff, you know, they'll have parasites and they'll pick up things and just pay attention to your animals and, uh, you know, try to give them a variety of food and, and see, you know, if you can get them on more than just crickets because it's always good to have a variety. Nutrient-load your animals, <clears throat> excuse me, 
And uh, always, you know, dust them with a good, you know, ca- calcium uh, vitamin powder. And, uh, and, and really that's it. You know, provide them good hiding spots and, and uh, you know, don't, just don't put them in a blank, you know, terrarium where, where, so they're sitting on the glass and, and they're stressed out all day. You know, just uh, give them, you know, give them what they need to, to survive and pay attention to them. And, you know, if you're keeping more than one together, make sure they're not bullying each other. Make sure you don't have two males together. Make sure, you know, it's, it's a pair. Uh, if you're going to do more than a pair, then I'd suggest, you know, having a pretty darn big tank to give them all, you know, their space. And uh, and that would be about it, really. All right, cool. Well, i got to tell you, this was a very refreshing episode. Um it's definitely different than what we're used to. We talked about all different types of geckos, but this was the first time that we really dedicated a whole show to tokes. And just from talking with you, Jack, I feel we could do another two hours. Maybe um, we're taking a, a winter even... recess for, for a month or so, but maybe afterwards you'd like to come back for a part two if you want. It's up to you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I can't even believe it's been two hours. It's funny. A friend of mine messaged me on Facebook. We we were talking and, uh, I, I said, geez, I said, I think it's like a two-hour show, and and I said, I think I think maybe I could do thirty minutes, but I don't know what I'm gonna talk about for two hours. <laughs> but you know, yeah. <laughs> well, there's a it, there's a there's you know there's a, a a growing, fantastic toke gecko community out there, and you know I, I know in our Facebook group people are always trying to help other people. Um, you know, we keep the the squabbling down to a minimum. You know, there's not a bunch of you know. Uh, attention, you know, I, I'm the toke person. You know, there's so many Yeah. So <laughs> we, yeah, we, we have a lot of that kind of stuff in the gecko world, in the leopard gecko world right now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is what it is. It's, well, it's, it's just people that are insecure um, with themselves. You know, they, if they're not the center of attention, you know, they probably have low self esteem, you know, that type of thing. That's what I've seen from, you know, that's my personal opinion from seeing people like that. And, and you just kind of have to, you know, let them go and, you know, go on their way and have a nice life. But, uh, you know, our community, we try to keep all that stuff out and, you know, keep the riffraff down. And um, But it's a great community, and people are, you know, always trying to help each other. The breeders work with each other. I mean, I'm on the phone talking to people all over the country, you know, that are breeding, and, you know, I have problems or they have problems, and it's like, you know, we try to work stuff out and share information. And, you know, it's um, it's, it's it's such a new you know, uh, breeding program thing going on with the tokes that, that there's not, you know, everything isn't known yet. And, and people are working together really hard to try to produce some really nice animals out there. And, and, uh, to me, it's exciting. It, 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 it's, it really is. It's just, it's just awesome. You know, just to see it grow, like it's grown just, just from the years that I've been doing it. It's just amazing. So I'm, yeah. I'm excited well, I wish you the, yeah. I wish I, you the I'd best for luck with everything. Here. I appreciate it, and I'd love to come back. I can't believe two hours went by. I, I was thinking, geez, we've only been talking for an hour, and he tell me that two hours are up. So that's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to come by and, and talk again and, and uh, you know, keep you guys updated with stuff. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, have a good uh, holiday season, and um, I'll be in touch with you Do you when we start the show back up and see if you want to come back, Jack. Yeah, you let, let me know, and, and yeah, I know you guys have tried to get me on before, and, and I've just been so busy, and, and my life does get crazy, but, yeah, we can squeeze another show okay. in and, and, um, and have fun, and, and I had a blast. I mean, I just have, I love talking to the, the Toke people. I just love doing it, and, I, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely we'll do it again. Sounds fantastic. Gentlemen, right, I, appreciate you inviting, I appreciate you inviting me on the show. You're welcome anytime, Jack. You want to give out your uh, contact information real quick so people can find you? 
Uh, yeah, we're real easy to find. We're on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash TOKAYX, T-O-K-A-Y-X. And we are working on our website. I was hoping to have something up today. I do have a, a, a just a basic layout of it. It's not even anywhere near complete. But our website is TOKAYX.com. And um, over the next month or two, we're going to be really building it and adding, you know, photographs of our animals. And as spring rolls around, the weather warms up, we're going to absolutely have a for sale page on there. Um, probably be selling some dry goods to go along with it. And um, we're working on some videos right now that we're going to be posting on YouTube. And basically, you know, we're going to make the Tokays, uh you know, the Tokay X facility. We're going to we're going to sh- start showing people, you know, behind the scenes and and show us working in there and, and, and what's going on and, and show some of the animals that are, that are, uh, that are pretty cool that, that you don't see very often, you know, on, on, on any of the classified ad places or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, uh, facebook.com, TokayX and, uh, com. Awesome. All right. Great, Jack. Thank you so much and, uh, have a good night. All right. Okay. You guys have a wonderful uh, holiday. Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah and all that other good stuff. You guys take care. And it was all my pleasure too. All right. Great. Thanks, Jack. All right, folks. I hope you like this show. I'd like to thank everybody that was in our chat room tonight. And, of course, um, everybody that's listening and downloading. Uh, If you guys like what we do here on Gecko Nation Radio, please uh, share the show links from the Facebook page. uh, We're not a huge show where we can really go advertise and pay for crazy advertising yet. Maybe someday. But... uh, that only happened if you guys help us grow. So share the links, uh, share the page, Gecko Nation Radio on Facebook. Um, of course, if you want to join the group, we have a group associated with the show. It's called Gecko Nation. You can join that on Facebook uh, as well. I think there's like 5,000 plus members now. So it's pretty cool. Good group of people. The, the group is well monitored, so there's not a lot of craziness going on in there. So you guys should have a good time. Ask your questions, show off your animals and stuff like that. Um, let's see. like to... Of course, thank our awesome sponsors. We have great breeders and businesses that sponsor the show, people that really are the best at what they do and honorable. So uh, right off the top, let's start with uh, Ron Tremper. Check out Ron Tremper at leopardgecko.com. He was also last week's guest. You guys can check out that show in our archive at Gecko Nation Radio on Blog Talk. Uh, also check out his app, LG Pro, and also Leopard Gecko Care. There's, he has a few apps actually. You can get you can get find links to them on his website as well. And he's got awesome animals, of course. He's the creator of the Bandit and Tremper Albino, of course, and so many different types of marines and things. You got to see see his uh, website. It's amazing. Um, also, Supreme Gecko. Check out SupremeGecko.com. Right now, Wally's doing what he does every year. It's called 12 Days of Christmas, and you guys can get in on that promotion and that contest. You can win cool stuff. I donated a gecko, so you may have a chance to win a free gecko, too. So uh, go to SupremeGecko.com, and he's also on Facebook. Check out Supreme Gecko there. Uh, he breeds day geckos and cresties and stuff, so if you guys some, want some quality animals, you can definitely find them there. He also has a wealth of information on the site about how to care for animals uh, like that. Okay, check out Ohio Gecko. Uh, also, OhioGecko.com. Um, haven't really talked to Ted in a while. I've got to catch up with him and see how he's doing. But Thad's uh, well known for amazing tangerines and fat tails and stuff like that. Uh, so if you like leopard geckos and fat tails, check out Ohio Gecko. Also, geckoboa.com. That's Mr. John Scarborough. John is very well known for working with uh, all the known 
or available species, uh, subspecies of leopard geckos, and a variety of the top bloodlines of leopard gecko morphs, including white and yellows, tangerines, other breeder awesome tangerines. Check out John's stuff at geckoboa.com and geckoboa reptiles on Facebook. Um, also, check out geckoforums.net. That's a great place for information on geckos, mainly leopard gecko morphs, going all the way back to 2006. Any kind of husbandry questions you have um, have been answered there a hundred times over. You type in the question, you'll find great information there. You might have varying opinions, but read through and uh, you know sort it out. I'm sure you'll get the, the stuff you need from there. And uh, if you don't find what you you know really need online, there's always no substitute for a good book. All right, there's a lot of great books devoted to different species of reptiles and every animal out there. And uh, having a good book collection of the animals you want to learn about is pretty essential in my opinion. All right, rainbowmealworms.net. We love rainbow. I love rainbow. Most people in the reptile community use rainbow exclusively. Check out rainbowmealworms.net. Great pricing, great customer service, and uh, just prompt shipping, all that. I, can, I don't know. Everything's great about rainbowmealworms.net. All right, and if you're going to be shipping your animals, you want to ship them legally. You want to get your FedEx legal labels legally from a certified live animal shipping company, so you got to go through a company like Reptiles Express. Check out reptilesexpress.com. They have by far the best shipping boxes and shipping supplies uh, that i found. Okay, awesome pricing, heat packs, anything you need to ship. They also, I always say, but their boxes have the really thick styrofoam insulation, which is really important especially in cold and extreme heat conditions. You want to keep that temperature as stable as possible inside your box so your critters get there safe and sound. So check out reptilesexpress.com. If you have any questions on how to ship, Amy will be your guide there. She'll help you. Just email them. They'll be happy to help you out. It's very easy. All right. And if you're in the market for uh, reptile racks for your snakes or geckos or um, well, snakes, geckos, some other lizards, of course, can live in rack systems. Uh, check out Sea Serpents. That's C-S-E-R-P-E-N-T-S, seaserpents.com. And if you're going to be breeding and you need something for your eggs, like a good incubator, check out hotboxincubators.com. Uh, both of those businesses have combined and create uh, just the best, highest quality racks and incubators you can find out there today. And at awesome pricing. So check out Sea Serpents and Hotbox Incubators. All right, and reptilestickers.com. If you guys need promotional materials, logos, banners, any kind of graphic design work done, check out reptilestickers.com. Um, of course, stickers, too. Get cool stickers. And uh, on Facebook, Happy Gecko Sticky Situation. That's Rachel's uh, site, and she'll help you out. She also has a group there, too. And last but not least, abdragons.com. If you guys need dubia roaches, uh, check out AB. Dragons.com, and they do Facebook auctions all the time for their bugs and stuff. And they're also keeping and selling uh, some new species of roaches that you just don't see too often. And uh, you know, maybe something, maybe you have some really exotic animals that don't take the normal dubia roach that eat something a little smaller, a little more uh, active or less active uh, to stimulate them. You can check them out, and maybe there's a different type of roach that'll work good for you. But in any event, they are gracious enough to give our listeners a 5% off coupon every time. Just use the code GECKO at checkout, and you get 5% off your order every time at abdragons.com. All right. 
And those are our sponsors. And I'd like to thank everybody again for listening in. Next week we have Rich Stanley, who is a lawyer for U.S. ARC. And uh, it's going to be a great show. We're going to talk about what's going on uh, with the battle to protect our rights to keep exotic animals. Uh, the fight wages on, but from talking to Rich several times over the past couple of weeks, I'm feeling a lot more confident and a lot uh, better about the whole situation. So I hope you guys can tune into next week's show. Until then, I hope you guys have a great week. Take care. Goodbye. Thank you very much.